Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek's edition with an X. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Um, what the hell week is this of Star Trek's? It's week 15 of Star okay. Trek's. Right. Um, Matt, I've been reading that Star Trek oral history. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the one, one that, that I've been reading been the back half to. of. Yeah. But you're listening to volume two, and I just finished reading volume one because I have jury duty, which is a lot of reading time. Right. Uh... Definitely someone went to Gene Roddenberry and told him, can't we just call it Star Trek instead? <laughs> so, almost. And, and, and it just didn't work out? Yeah, he wasn't right. into that idea? No, Gene, Gene Roddenberry uh, did not like meddling. Or the suggestion that anyone might have an idea that wasn't his idea. Right. Uh, but he he was horny. Yeah, dude, he comes off as, like, the craziest supervillain in these books. Yeah, it, these books were definitely... It seems like basically nobody who worked with Gene Roddenberry actually liked him. Yeah. Um, he does not have all, many defenders. They all have to say, like, no, yeah, I mean, Star Trek was his idea, and this optimistic future is his idea, but I, I hated him, and he was a meddler, and every every one of my precious word babies was murdered by him. And also his idea sucked. Uh, well, in many cases, <laughs> that's what that's what a lot of them say. I just listened to one section where they're talking about how gritty and dark DS Nine is, and uh, and they're talking about while well, they get into a lot of the stuff, the questions you can't ask, the three untouchable questions. What is the Federation? Is one of them. My three okay. untouchable questions: what What is the Federation? Um, what is Troy's power, and how does it work? Okay, and. Uh, uh, what's the what's my third untouchable question? Oh, if I'm having a I'm having a Rick Perry moment. I'll just say oops, <laughs> like Rick Perry did. Oops, I, man. I presume you're talking about the former governor of Texas and not my childhood best friend. No, not your friend. I don't know whether or not he's good at at, uh, at public speaking or anything like that. No, uh, I'm talking. I'm talking about when Rick Perry said he was going to cut three, three. Uh, Brand, not branches, but whatever. And he can't. He can only come up with two. And the third one, somebody says one, and but they're joking. And he's like, "Yeah, that's it." And they're like, "Wait, that's really it?" And he goes, "No." Um, and he can't think of the third department he's going to cut. And then he just goes, "Oops." I missed go, well, that, but I tried. I tried to watch as little coverage as possible. Yeah, it was during the debates. I don't know, two thousand eight. I don't remember when it was. But you can't. I was, I was already so. You can't. Just, I can't watch it. You can't just say oops. <laughs> Well, oops, it's hard to come back from. You can't just throw up your hands and go, oops. It's like, well, can no, we, you're done. That was it. Your can campaign's we agree over. that it's better than whoopsie? <laughs> Whoopsie's not good, for sure. Whoopsie's bad. You don't want to say whoopsie. Matt, this week, um, we're talking <sighs> about the episodes from week 15. All right. Uh, overall impressions? Kind of a diaper week, right? Yeah, I don't know if the bar was just raised too high by last week's um, brilliance. 
Last week was a strong performance. We had an episode, Matthew, that got over five out of every eight possible points. I know, that's right. It scored a solid D, which which here is an A+. <laughs> We're grading on a curve, and that is an A+. We... That is the highest any episode has ever scored by a solid five points. So. Yeah. Um, and this week, was, I, so I don't know if it was just the bar was raised high, or if it was just they all went back to garbage week, but... Um, they all did very bad on my rubric. I don't know. There's two episodes in this one about what if dreams became reality. <sighs> so that is not great. That's like not super great. It's hard for me to believe the coincidence. Some of the weeks we've had where the same yeah. theme pops up multiple times in these episodes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We have two imaginary friend episodes or whatever. It's garbage. Uh, yeah, definitely true. It's very, very true. And man. Oh boy. Yeah. We should. I mean, we should probably just jump into it, right? Let's do it. Uh, this week we watched Shore Leave. No, you want me to do it? Yeah, what was this episode about? Uh, okay. I usually start, but this time no, you, no, you I, start. I can do it. Um, okay, so they uh, they find this planet... And, uh, boy, everyone on the ship is so super stressed out. So, you know, maybe they'll go down there and take shore leave. I mean, it looks like California. Why not, right? Um, yeah. So They're really they, tired from a bunch of stuff that we have didn't not see. Yeah, or maybe, you know what? The last uh, episode I mean, was it, Balance of Terror. Tense. So that one was probably pretty stressful. But after it was that, pretty I tense, know. but, like, they only lost one crew member. Maybe they're bummed out about all those outposts that got destroyed, though. They did watch that guy get disintegrated on the view screen. That was probably pretty tough. And he was a real drama queen about it, too. He kind of was. Just throwing himself around the bridge over there. Uh, so, yeah, as is usually the case, uh, when they get to a, a planet, someone has to tell the captain he's got to take shore leave. Yeah. yeah uh, the the Yeoman and McCoy work together on him, and, and Spock, too, actually. And they make him go down there and take some shore leave, and he goes to, and they go down there, and guess what? The things that they're imagining, that they're reminiscing about, they become real. So, like, Kirk imagines uh, an old Irish dude that he used to have a feud with. Yep. And then they start fighting, and they fight for entirely too long. And then, uh, and then that's okay. Like, At least there's some awesome music playing under it. <laughs> there's some samurai shit for Sulu because this show's hasn't really worked out the racism stuff yet. And I thought they got. I well, again, we'll get to it. And uh, anyway, uh, they all their shit becomes real, and it becomes really dangerous. And McCoy gets killed, and it's all kind of a big deal. So that's uh, until it's not. Until, until it's, it's suddenly not a big. Someone deal. shows up, and they're like. It's just a game. Yeah, dummies. Uh, so basically, uh, move along home. <laughs> that's but, exactly right. But that's fine. This came much, much before Move Along Home. But also, don't base your episode... Well, there, I mean, this came way before, but if your episode is like Move Along Home, remember how bad that one scored. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's right, creators of the original Star Trek. Remember that Move Along Home got a really, really low score. For remember us. when you took the time machine and you went 40 years in the future and you and you like you checked out Move Along Home? It wasn't so good. So don't. Remember how it got a total of 15 points <laughs> from both of us? It's well, yeah. Why don't you go first on the take then? Because I, uh, <clears throat> you go first on the take. Okay, well, I think uh, I'm going to say this, and this is something that was said directly in the episode. It is... I don't know if you're going to be convinced that this is the take, but I'll just say it. The more complex the mind, the greater the need for the simplicity of play. Okay, the more complex the mind, the greater the need for the simplicity of play. 
Yeah. That is what uh, you believe the take of this is. I think, I fucking think so. Okay. Unless it's be careful what you wish for. Mm, yeah, but I mean, like, don't wish for getting strafed by fighters, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, but I don't like, think he no wished one, for that. No one wished for that. Yeah. They just, they just panicked. Everyone just panics. <laughs> Every episode, episode that is just like this, where they imagine things, they all go into, like, immediate panic mode. They're all Rimmer in the in the episode where the, where they go into the VR machine. And yes. he imagines that he has debts that he has to pay and debt collectors come after him. <laughs> yes, that's right. They are all Rimmer in Better Than Life. Better Than Life. That was the episode. <laughs> um, okay, what did that rate for you? What does that take? Um, it's a five. It's a middle. That's a real middle of the road oh, take. That, it, uh, that seems strong for that take. Just... It's like, hey man, you gotta... If, you gotta blow off some steam. Now, it's kind of a cop-out take because it's like, hey guys, it's okay to be watching this dumb show. Yes. Because you're so smart and sophisticated. Oh, I see what you're saying. You need this. The you audience, need this dumb show in your life. The audience is so smart that it, it's they a little need... Bit of, a little bit of pandering. Yeah, they need this dumbass shit to relax. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Listen, five is what I put down. It does... I mean, you're not wrong that it feels a little strong. It just it feels that's... like that is such a specific take. Like, it's so it's so carefully worded so that it's a thing that you can say about it. <laughs> yeah, but so it's that's like a thing Spock. that actually is about the Literally, show. Literally, Spock says that out loud. So. Yeah. How come he they doesn't always have... Get, you always get extra points when you just say the take. That's true. How come it, with his complex mind, he doesn't have a lot of need for relaxation? Uh, I mean, he, he's... I don't know, he's had, he's had quite enough relaxation. He imagines that tiger towards the end again. The tiger gets to come back for a second run. Well, he mentions the tiger, but I guess that's enough. Maybe, yeah, maybe Kirk was the one who thought of it when he mentioned it. I don't know. Uh, uh, here's here's what I'm saying. Here's mm. what I think about that. Uh, Spock can't afford to play because he's got all of those powerful emotions under the surface, like we will later see Sarek has. I well, mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll see that Spock has them also. I'm glad he doesn't panic like everybody else when he realizes that the things he thinks are real. Because yes. then, yes, with his powerful emotions, it might have been really rough. Um, what was your take? Where, where are you on the take for this? I mean, I essentially had people have strange cares. Uh, uh, enjoyment and relaxation can take on many forms, is what I had. Well, that can't be worth many points. It's a textbook one. <laughs> I think it's a pretty it's a pretty straight shot, straight to one. It's a take that allows no exploration of any themes at all. It's just an excuse to show crazy stuff happening. It is. It. I mean, you, look... You're right, right? That off the record, this episode was an excuse to show all of the public domain costumes <laughs> that were in Desilu's warehouse. It's like they were trying to clean house, and then they salvaged those eight outfits or whatever, eight things they wanted to keep. And they went, oh, this is it. We'll make an episode out of this. This, by the way, this happened uh, in Where No One Has Gone Before. Yeah. Which is the previous All Wishes Are True episode that we see. Except there it has... There's a few reasons why that episode is done better than this one. But we're... we're you talking about the TNG one to, where, where no yes, one has gone before? Okay. No one has gone before. Yeah. Uh, we, it's just, this, this talks to execution a little bit. But for instance, yeah. in that one, they are in a specific region of space where it's true. Right. They instantly recognize that what they're thinking about becomes reality. It does not take them 
two acts. Yes, because they are just this much more like real people. Yes, exactly. Just enough. And they kind of get a grip on the situation right away. Yeah, and Picard but, makes some loudspeaker announcements and shit. Right. After morning but, announcements when he tells them that it's pizza day or whatever. As in this episode, in everybody's fantasies there, and who knows, maybe it'll come up again this week, uh, everything that everyone imagines is either from our present or past. No yeah. one has any weird future imaginations. There's like a fucking knight in shining armor. Yeah, yeah, no one, no one's very creative, clearly. There's a, a zero, there's the tiger, and we get Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. I mean, we get the first page of Alice in Wonderland. And we get Don Juan. And we get and, Don Juan. And we, and we get Finnegan. And, uh, who's just Kirk's bully. Yeah. He's just a bully, that's it. Yeah. Uh, he's just an iris a sweaty Irish piece of shit. That's not the problem. <laughs> uh, no, we don't get, for instance, Kodos the Executioner. That right. could still potentially be on Kirk's mind. It's kind of a futuristic thing we could see. Yeah, for some reason, he felt like what happened in that episode, uh, that was the end of that for him. He doesn't need yeah. to think about it anymore, even though uh, it was garbage. Oh, and also, uh, the daughter is still around, and like yeah, but they changed her memory, dude. She I don't, don't know. remember no more. Does he not going to have to have like a deposition? I guess they wiped her memory right away. <laughs> <laughs> they asked nobody; they just did it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there, but there's there's no future. It's all public domain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. Um, like I get that it can't be. Charlie Chan or something that was under copyright at the time. Yes. But it could be something imaginary from the future. Like, we... That's what I'm saying. None of the we characters... Could under, we would understand that. It doesn't... Every touring theater company doesn't have to be doing... Uh, Macbeth? Macbeth. Yeah. What about Macbeth starring a... Fuck, I couldn't remember the name of the alien. Remember? No, it's an Arcturian Macbeth. An Arcturian like Macbeth. <laughs> it's I don't know what that meant. Nope. But uh, it was nice color. Um, so, just, just, I'll just dive right into Execution, Matt. I gave this episode a three for Execution. Okay. And is um, that based more on Execution of your theme, or just the shittiness of the episode, or what's, what's uh, up? Well, uh, a lot, it loses a lot of points for the shittiness of the episode. Um, a, uh, no stakes. Yeah, because like you said, in the end, dude shows up and goes, Huh? It's just, we're just playing around, and McCoy shows up with those two busty chicks, and he's like, nah, I didn't die, I was just hanging out. And then, it's true, and then Kirk's just like, alright, everybody come on down for sure, leave. Yeah, this is not going to be a harrowing experience for everybody. <laughs> uh, no reason Kirk shouldn't have figured out what was happening on this planet 20 minutes before Spock does. Agreed. Also, McCoy should have figured it out instantly, because he's talking to that yeoman or whatever about no, he's talking to Sulu about Alice in Wonderland, and then he fucking, oh, there, oh, it's the White Rabbit. Yeah. Is that, is that guy have a name? The White Rabbit? No, I think yeah. he's just the White Rabbit. I mean, I know that... I, I, I would have called that him that Time song Rabbit. song is called White Rabbit. I would have called him Time Rabbit, because that's a it's cool a Time name. Rabbit, that's a good name. Because he's always uh, late. And then, yeah, weird how everyone imagines things familiar to 20th century audiences. I mean, mm. it wasn't good. 90% of this episode is Kirk in a fist fight getting his shirt torn. You're not even kidding. That fight scene took forever. Oh, sorry. First of one all, of them. there's two of them. Yes, one of the fight scenes took like 25 minutes. And the well, other well, one was plenty. 
But there is a very extended fight scene at Vasquez Rocks, which we'll see later. <laughs> or if you've watched Bill and Ted, you've seen it. That's exactly correct. Um, <laughs> there's an extended fight sequence there, so... I mean, it's just like everybody... This is what's on everybody's minds and what's on Kirk's mind is his fucking college bully. Yeah, he needs to get over it, right? Like, you're and captain the, of the Enterprise. Like He wants nothing more in life than to beat the tar out of this guy he knew in college. Just, like, let it go. That's his driving force. Well, he, he wants nothing more until he suddenly remembers Ruth, who is That's right. conservatively 45 years old. And wears crazy dresses. Didn't really understand what his relationship with her was. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, like Picard, he, uh, he dated a lot of older women <laughs> in the Academy. Had a thing for handsome older women. That's right. Yeah. Um, since mine didn't really allow any themes to explore, it can't get any points for that. Um, <laughs> I will say that, um, I super enjoyed all the minor chord versions <clears throat> of the Star Trek theme that played throughout the episode. Yes. It, which reminded me exactly of when things go wrong in Wing Commander. Oh, that is very true. And then However, suddenly the music changes got, to minor. That all got canceled out for me by the bad, stereotypical Irish music every time Finnegan showed up. I kind of couldn't believe when I kept looking up and that fight scene was still going. <laughs> and I was going, I, what is happening right now? Like, this, it just won't end. I don't know why they felt the need to take up the whole episode with that. But you're right. It was incredibly racist, the music that was underneath that oh, entire yeah. fight. Oh, for sure. And every I mean, that guy's terrible accent. Uh, the fact that they he's supposed to be 20 years old. He looked like, again, looked like he was in his 40s to me. That guy didn't look 20. I don't know when they filmed Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> oh, jeez. It must have been fairly close to but contemporary. I- but I feel like uh, if the composer had brought that music to the whoever was doing Darby O'Gill and the Little People, the guy would have looked at him and said, hard pass. Darby O'Gill and the Little People, 1959. So, so a, full, a full eight years before this. They had seen it, I believe. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but this music would not have been accepted. <laughs> they would have gone, nope. I think we're going for something a little bit less on the nose for Darby and O'Gill. Definitely not in that movie about Ireland where John Wayne beats his wife. <laughs> I can't remember the name. Which one? McClintock? No, which one? I'm talking about. Wait, which one? (laughs) The one where at the end he just, like, drags her off and everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, you show that brat. You show that mouthy bitch. She's such a brat. You better put her over (laughs) your knee and maybe just bust her in the face a couple of times. (laughs) Give her a black eye. Just one. John Wayne movies can't really be watched. You can't watch those anymore. I mean, what I'm saying is if you watch that movie, you're definitely going to have a smell your dick moment. (laughs) Where you go, oh, hold on, wait a minute, I didn't know about, I forgot about this part. That's right. You mean when the rapper comes on in the middle of Smell Your Dick? Yeah. And you go, That's... and you go, oh my god, like, this guy's, this guy's getting it done right now. Oh, he is, <laughs> he is, he is threatening her, he is threatening her with physical violence He's... for asking this question. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, okay, I know they're making a TV show, right? And you, yeah, you talked about this definitely. a little bit, but why would anybody even consider the possibility that these things are, like, not magic. Like, hey, Kirk, Finnegan didn't fly to this planet That's right. He to wasn't wait hanging for out you here. to arrive so he could be a stereotype and punch you. Well, I mean, look, well, like, um... It's in obvious. The, in, in the arsenal of freedom, and we're gonna get to that episode yeah. at some point, and then I think the Magic Cloaks will finally have to release a follow-up song. Yeah. yeah. Uh... 
they yeah. talk about Paul Rice, and all of a sudden Paul Rice appears. Except for, they're looking for him on this planet. Right. It's a little. It's different. not crazy that he's there. And by the way, Riker figures out within four or five lines. And Riker's like, oh, "Okay, cool. I got it. I got this. I know what's happening here." When he's like avoiding his questions and asking weird shit about the Enterprise, and then he's like, "Um, all right. So this clearly is not my buddy." Yeah, Kirk for sure thinks both Finnegan and Ruth are really on this planet. Fucking loose and like shit. until minute forty-five. I know. Basically until the guy shows up and he's like, we made it all. And he's like, ha all right, then this is a great amusement park, it turns out. Uh-huh. Or, okay, cool. That's all the worst cool. things you can think of come true. <laughs> um, yeah, so that really took me out of the episode, obviously. I bring you spiders! <laughs> it's just me imagining what might happen. Maybe this plot was cool still in 1966, but I've had more <laughs> than enough of the standard, oops, I imagined a tiger, or fire, or Irish guy. I'm trying not to hold it against this episode because I, in 1966, maybe this was like a just a bonkers idea. But if you were capable of holding in your mind the image of both a tiger and an Irishman in 1966, you were pretty imaginative. What did you score this episode for? Uh, uh, three. Execution? A three. Three based on no no capability of executing on themes and uh, just general shittiness. <laughs> so I'm guessing. <clears throat> That this did not win the week for you. <laughs> well, look, spoiler alert, this whole week sucked. So, suck. uh, I'm not going to give it I away. it's not impossible. I'm not going to give it away. Anything is possible at this point. Uh, if like you, Kevin if Garnett you... said, anything is possible! <laughs> you can literally fly. <laughs> That's right. Go up on the roof of your house. I think he did fly a little bit while he screamed that. Um... If you gave this episode 10 points for both world building and characterization, it would still get six fewer points than you gave uh, Balance of Terror. Yeah, that seems fair, but it didn't get those points. No, so let's talk about world building. Was there any? All right. There's so many California planets to visit out there. Yeah. Do you think if you're not from California, like, what does this planet look like? They talk about how it's a paradise, but it's like... um, it's a paradise that's made up entirely of eucalyptus trees and, like, scrub. It kind of looks like Nona's backyard. I, I mean, it does. It, it just was looks intended like, to, like that like place. any county park. Yeah. Not even, not a state park. No, go to Vasona or something. Let's not go crazy here. It yeah. looks like a county park. Right. They just found a part that didn't have any benches or, like, visible roads that a car could drive by on. Yep. Um... So, I don't know, that doesn't really count at all, but, um, Vulcans don't believe in shore leave, to the surprise of nobody. Yeah. They don't need it, because they don't understand the idea of resting, well, not resting. Like, using energy, like, running around and playing and having fun. Um, no, I mean, I kind of don't either. I like Spock's iPad. Spock's iPad <laughs> okay. was pretty sweet. Uh, the Yeoman's <laughs> holding one, too, at one point. Yep. It's like if you took an iPad and you made it 15 times as powerful <laughs> by taping 15 iPads together. <laughs> I mean, what it what it's exactly like is one of those metal clipboards that has a cover. Yes. That uh, anybody who works for, like, PG&E or the sewer company will open up. <laughs> and then, like, that's how they do your invoice. They didn't do a great job of imagining iPads, that's for sure. Which is that's... weird, because iPads came from Star Trek, you know? It did, but they came from the next generation. They came from TNG. For sure. Uh, they're so, kind of lame even in TNG. Like, they're twice as thick as an actual iPad. Yeah, and they don't look like the screens even are very good. Even though they good. don't have anything in them, they're just... 
they're just a piece of plastic. The screens seem kind of shitty, too. Yeah. Um, Spock asks Kirk to turn up his game, suggesting they're still using radio communication in their communicators. Not sure they ever tell us in any of the shows if that's what they're doing, but I always assumed they were using some future tech, like not maybe not necessarily radio or anything like that because he basically tells him to turn up his antenna gain he definitely does um but maybe they... and i think the cover with the perforated metal on the communicator is supposed to be an antenna yeah so that's interesting to keep in mind that in 22 whatever they're still using the same kinds of technology we use to communicate maybe i mean maybe they are using something futuristic and they just use some of the same terminology i mean I we know. know that they have such as subspace radio so maybe they just use radio vocabulary for it that's what i was saying yeah it's possible yeah. It's, it is future tech but they just use some of the same terms i mean gain is just how much power you're putting through the, to to transmit so yeah. that might that might still exist even in subspace it, but it i never thought about digital. it <clears throat> like i never yeah. really sat down and went oh i wonder like what that technology is that allows them to communicate over this what do the knobs distances. on that bitch do yeah uh finnegan's outfit is that what they wore at the academy yeah i wasn't clear if that was supposed to be what they wore at the academy or it's just it's just a shirt from a different ship yeah i couldn't tell um i, it, I mean it's the same outfit it's just Instead of being one of the three colors we've seen before, it's kind of like a silver velour. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it ribbed like corduroy, but like with really wide? I think those are called whales. I have no idea. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, it looks like you, a couch. Like many things, it looks like it's made out of a couch fabric. As usual, my world building is not full of things that I learned in the episode, just questions I had watching it, and I uh, got a three. Okay. Um, well, I didn't even give it a three, but... The things that I wrote down are not on your list at all, so huh. maybe we should think about we shall see how then. they combine. Yeah. Uh, 430 crewmen on the Enterprise. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they said that before or not. Uh, they use a cellular casting for wound repairs that's similar to that dummy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cabaret is popular on Rigel 2. <sighs> that one doesn't really count as anything. Yeah, but it, why, though? I gave it two points. Oh, okay. Uh, weirdly, you didn't talk Why to... is McCoy going to the Playboy Club oh. when he's yeah. down there? <laughs> Seriously. That's what he was imagining. Yeah, he was imagining a little cabaret on Rigel 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? That's it. That's all the world building yeah, I could you find didn't in talk, dump didn't, of an episode. You didn't I talk mean, me look, up to a four. This is another ancient civilization, presumably long abandoned... Uh, that created know. this planet? It, unclear who created it. I don't even know if that guy who said he was the purveyor or whatever was is, a robot. Was even a real person? It's hard yeah, to say. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, he might have been like the guy from Arsenal of Freedom. Uh, he might have been Arsenal of Freedom. I think that's the guy's name. <laughs> he is the I, Arsenal. I don't know if he has a name. Echo Echo Papa. What's his name? Echo Papa is the robot. Yeah, but what's the, the guy? Makes. What's the name of the guy on Arsenal? Is his name Arsenal? That's, that's Papa Echo. Okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, the Echo Papa 607. Yeah, but the guy. The the hologram guy or whatever. You know, you can get one of those in Star Trek Online. Wait, what? What An is Echo it? Papa 607? Does I have it, one. Does it get stronger, like, the more you use it or something? or like? Uh, every time the enemy destroys it, a new one is built that's a little stronger. Oh, that is, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, boy, well, well, I don't think we'll ever get to that episode. It seems to be so far away. Every it's week, like a million. We, th- we theoretically move closer, but we never get to it. 
a million of years from now. Uh, ben had a couple of things for, for world building. <clears throat> okay. um, the only thing that he had that we didn't talk about is that uh, uh, Kirk's only 15 years out of the Academy. Yeah, I mean, I know he was young. I don't think but I don't know when they been, bring it up. Has been stated yet, or that he's the youngest captain in Starfleet. I know that that... I know that's f- fanon. I don't know if it's actually canon in series until Picard talks about the uh, Grace Jones as being the woman who broke Kirk's record. Right, yes. <laughs> that's... I don't think that was actually Grace Jones. It's not Grace Jones. I just don't. I don't know her name. She. I've never. Don't think I've ever seen her in anything. No, she's else. dead now. It doesn't matter. Well, her, char- her character is dead. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, she must have been. She was. She was eating worms at that admiral dinner. Yeah, dude, all those people got their heads blown up. Okay. Uh So yeah, apparently, only takes fifteen years to become captain. Um. We don't know how long Kirk has been captain. We don't no. know anything about his past at this point. No, I except think you're right. we know he taught at the academy briefly. Yeah, that's in. I have that in somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, so Ben had that for world building. Okay. So I, I don't really feel like I feel like my two is fine. The two that I gave it for world building. Yeah, nothing that anybody that you or Ben brought up was much to me. Yeah, wasn't much. Uh, characterization. Oh, um, so, uh, I know Kirk is tired and that last week he was not that into command. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that actually tracks. It's getting run down. But this is the least sharp we've ever seen him. Yeah. He is. He gets taken in entirely by all of the illusions. He, the... The half of him, the good half that couldn't make decisions, yes, was was the, at this level or a little higher. Yeah, that's true. Yes, he's just like it. Just takes him so long to get there. Yeah, and he's he doesn't really understand what's happening a lot of the time. Like even when McCoy's trying to tell him that he like he's having some hallucinations, Kirk just thinks he's joking around. And yeah, he yeah, um, not, not great, Kirk. I don't like McCoy hitting on women. Well, he's like a hundred. He's too old for this yeoman. He's a hundred years old. He's the oldest one in the cast, right? Or was James Dewan technically older? I think Dewan might have been older, but he's one of the older people from the cast. Yeah, I mean, he looks old. But I think he's also supposed to have, like, he is not a young man even in the universe i think that's what i'm saying like all you gotta do is just look at the dude if the, if he's supposed to be young they really fucked up because he looks torah and he he's supposed to be like the the wise old doctor character country wisdom I, I, certainly i don't I, I just don't like this business with him and this yeoman no i don't think anyone should like it and she's like don't look at me when i'm changing and he's like oh, i won't <laughs> <laughs> Creeper. Fuck. I, I didn't like that at all. Um, I think uh, we had a little bit of a backstep here for Sulu yeah. from uh, from the Naked Time when he was uh, when he was a swashbuckler and a, a you know that was his inherent personality. Yes. Now, of a not credible samurai is chasing him around. Yeah, and he's running around shouting samurai. Yes, it's very bad. It's not good. Also, it's not good. It's a and. 
all right, fine, it's the 60s and it's racist, but like, hey, but you already did this better. Yeah. You already avoided this a couple of times with Sulu. But makes, now it's Makes like, you wonder if it was a network note or just crazy old it's, Gene it's Roddenberry. It's a fucking different writer, right? That's all yeah, it is. I agree. And the writer who wrote this episode, even though this is week 15, probably hadn't seen The Naked Time. Yeah. And I also feel like, and I know I already bagged on Kirk in this one, but he should be beyond worrying about his Academy bully. Yes, that would be it great. Just, it, Again, you're captain of the Enterprise, let it go. This is belittling for Kirk. Yeah. Nobody comes off well. I gave it a three. Okay. I feel like my three is generous, but I already didn't give this episode many points. <laughs> yeah, I also gave it a three. So I think we were in line. Um, at least this time, the sexy young thing wasn't supposed to be giving Kirk a massage. It was supposed to be Spock. That's what Kirk thought was happening. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Still, her eagerness to jump yeah, in, there right in there and rub his back is gross. Cause you still have to attribute that to the environment that Kirk has created on that ship. It is definitely the environment that he's created where he's banging uh, doctors at the holiday party. Yep. And uh, not how weird. She's This is her first week as replacement yeoman for Rand. And he's, there's already and, some stuff going on. And she's like, well, I heard they were pretty close, so... I better give him a back rub. I better I'm gonna get into this. Ugh. Then she has to go on shore leave with him. She doesn't go down until yep. he goes down. Yep. And then uh, fucking McCoy's fraternizing with her down there, like we talked about. I think he even topped, like, Joe Namath levels of creep, by the way. <laughs> well, He's like, go dress up, like, go dress up. Go see that dress, go put it on. Well, let's not go see, crazy. I want to see you in it. And I, I'm sure that this is because that Joe Namath thing was real and was really happening, but that may be the worst thing I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> Where he said he wanted to kiss her, and then yes. he repeated himself? Yes, it, that was awful. I want to kiss you. That was awful to watch. And she has no idea what to do because she's on live TV, so she just goes, uh. <laughs> well, I think he I think he passed it by telling her to go put on that outfit. That, it was bad. I want to see you in it. Go wear it. Yeah, um, that was bad. McCoy likes tits. Seems clear. I put that in for characterization that he likes tits. Is that is that? It's a not a good episode. Well, he those Playboy ladies show up in the end. Oh yeah, I guess that could be about tits. Um, I will say that when Kirk first gets down there and he and McCoy are walking around, um, their banter wasn't completely terrible. Uh, no, they seem no, not like all old. Of... They seem like old friends. Whatever. No, not not all of the dialogue and and all of the business that people do in this episode is terrible. But the episode is bad. Yeah. Sulu prefers defense uh, without a foil. I don't know if you see when when uh, Don Juan shows up, Sulu gets all up in his grill with his hand. He tries to hand fence him. Yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> it's like, you can't, that's not going to work, Sulu. Sulu, you, <laughs> you only have your hand. That. You can't stab him with that. Sulu, you don't, you're not, you don't have, you don't have your foil. You gotta, uh, you gotta use a sword if you want to win. Um, by the way, they did not seem comp confident in their Don Juan because he does not say anything or do anything. <laughs> They're like, do an accent. You got an accent? And then they heard it and they went, you know what? Yeah, it's cool. You just stand there. Fine. He just did it. He just like went speedy Gonzalez on them. <laughs> like, My name is Don Juan. And they're like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Even they realized that wasn't nope. going to work. We did that 18 weeks ago when we had Kirk take a, go on a riff about chili peppers. So we're out of that game for a while. 
on the strength of some passable banter between McCoy and Kirk, I gave it a three. Uh, by the way, I think I'm so, I apologize. That impression was actually of Slowpoke Rodriguez. Okay. <laughs> it was definitely not Speedy Gonzalez. It was his his lazy cousin. I cannot believe that was a yeah. I believe it. Hundred percent. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, three. Yeah. Three for both of us. <sighs> um. That back rub. Yeah. That's why people do the Kirk slash Spock thing, right? This is the genesis of that feeling. Oh, maybe the, the two that the two of them, because he definitely thought Spock was giving him a back rub, but he was definitely cool with it. He was telling him to really get in there, get in deeper, man. Deeper, yeah. I said, into my buttle is what he was saying. Work that Vulcan magic. Yeah, he did not say, but I thought it. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe that might be the genesis of it. He certainly will come to feel like he's not whole without Spock. So. Well, why did McCoy say that place looked like it was out of Alice in Wonderland? Thank you. Yes. Are we in are we in quick hitters now? Yes, we moved into Okay, quick yeah. I, I have this too. Which part of Alice in Wonderland is that planet supposed to be like? It's I remember that story being creepy as hell. Was there a part where she was just chilling? Well, yeah, was the there park? where she was like, all these eucalyptus trees. I have no idea what <laughs> they that lose is their that leaves is. in the summer. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get that either. Uh, did we see the captain's ready room? Um was that what, what was that, that was? room he was in? Yeah, I don't know. It's like Maybe. his little office, right? It's like when we saw a wharf in that in that sensor area. Uh, here's a big one for you. Didn't that girl's fiance die last week? Dude, was that the same chick? Same chick. Oh no, she moved on quick. Yeah. To that, yeah, she did. To that dude who imagines World War II fighters. I don't know. That guy got her shot up by <laughs> airplane. So I bet when they get back to the ship, even though that ain't real, it's over between them. <laughs> It's like, well, you imagined airplanes, you told me they were weird, and then I got shot, so... Yeah, because you're like, oh, well, as long as they don't come strafing, it'll be okay. And she's like, what's that mean? And he's like, well, it's kind of when they, uh, they shoot at you when you're on the ground. Oh, no! Um, in your entire life, Matthew, hmm. have you ever described something as being restful? No. no. I can't remember a time. Uh, well, whoever wrote this episode uses that word. Uses it a lot, right? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, like like about forty times. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the running? Oh, I, I... there's a lot of full tilt sprinting in this episode. <laughs> like they'll hear something in another part of the park, and then they'll just go sprinting toward it. Um, it's it's crazy to watch sprinting. Well, like, I liked it because during some of those parts, it, right? During some of those parts, they were playing the 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 minor chord. Uh, versions of the show's theme so i like yeah. some of those sprinting scenes even in justice they just kind of jog yeah i don't even think that yeah they're like hey should we run there and then everyone kind of trots along i think because they didn't want troy to like get lost behind them with her short, <laughs> legs, with her short legs short legs and she's probably got heels on those boots yeah <laughs> they had to go on a real ginger jog the fucking um taxi cab driver seat uh seat cushion is going to fall out of her hair if she runs it's not <laughs> you know what i'm talking about that beaded seat cover that they all have yes exactly it's gonna fall out of her hair yeah uh so i thought that was kind of novel yeah and the camera's all tracking it and everything it was a different shot than you usually see in star trek for sure but that's i think the advantage of shooting on location instead of on some weird lot on paramount the um what is the uh 
what is the bowl of cold soup in your bed practical joke? Is it just that you have to do laundry now? Yeah, I threw soup on your bed. <laughs> I this threw is... cold soup on your bed. I told you, this is the game that we used to play at Cogent, me and my coworkers. We'd just spill coffee on each other's desks. <laughs> that was the entire game. We would throw a ball around and see if we could knock coffee <clears> over <throat> on someone else's desk. And then it'd be like, ha ha, you gotta clean up your desk. That was it. So well, I imagine cold soup's the same way. Apparently that's one of the haunting practical jokes. <laughs> you can't let it go. <laughs> that makes Kirk want to punch this one Irishman. Time he poured soup in my bed. Oh, um. Do you think that Irish buffoon is also a ship's captain now in real life? Well, if the show were better with continuity, I would love to see where he is now in another episode. But I don't think we'll get a chance. It'd be great if there was an episode where they get together and he thinks he and Kirk are old friends and Kirk's cold <laughs> to him and he's like. He's like, what's going on? We're all friends. And then Kirk would have to tell him that he's been fucking hating his guts for 15 years. He's like, oh, hey, man. I, yeah, I know I did some immature stuff. I, you know, I was a kid. Anyway, they're not, it's not going to happen. No, it'll never happen. Um, I've never read Don Juan. Was mm. he a serious rapist? He was uh, apparently a real raper. And that lady kept imagining him. Yeah. So she's got some stuff. She's, there's some stuff there. That's what I, that's that's what she, I meant. Well, well, look, that's why she acts that way to the, towards the captain. I know, dude. That's why my take that's was just, people have that, strange this cares. This is how people interact. People have strange cares was my take, and that was part of it. Because she's like, what the... I, this is how I relax. But getting nard. Um, I imagined this conversation at some point. Uh, hey, we should give this old love of Kirk's a sexy name. How about Ruth? I know. This show was made a long time ago, dude. Ain't nobody named Ruth anymore. He sees her and he's like, oh, fuck, it's Ruth. Also, dog, how about this line? It is me. It is Ruth. <laughs> not very convincing. Not like not like crazy convincing. This like one is called Ruth. <laughs> yeah, like if you said that to me, I'd go, I don't, you know, I did, I thought you were Ruth, but now I'm not super sure. You might not well, be you Ruth. You look like her. <laughs> It is me. Uh, it is Ruth. Can I tell you about the speed of my starship? <laughs> it's it's three. three. Yeah. 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 How yeah. about yours? How's the lollipop? How fast is it? Tell me about the lollipop. Damn it's it. A good Stop sh- talking about this. It's a good ship. We'll get there. Stop we'll get it. There. We'll, get there. we'll never get to it. Um, I uh, At some point, I thought that they were going to explain at some point that everyone was drunk. Like that there was something in the air. Yeah. Because nobody, no, nobody acted professional at all. No, dude, Sulu with that gun, he definitely, he was like a drunk Shimoda. Uh, seriously, oh, I found this gun, I just started fucking shooting it. <laughs> I just, I found a gun, so... It's because I imagine... I just started shooting it. I was like, what if there was a gun right there? I would totally pick it up and start shooting it. And then there was a gun there, and then I just started shooting it. What What am I shooting at? I don't know. <laughs> Flowers, I guess. Be pretty cool There's nothing there was, on this planet. Be pretty cool if there was a samurai to shoot at. I'm just standing here shooting across a river like an asshole. <laughs> Um. Oh, uh, well, then I wrote, shoot that tiger, you asshole. Oh, yeah, right? He still had the gun. He yeah, saved it for the, the gun. Night. Why didn't he shoot him? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, how effective do you think a thirty-eight caliber police special would be against plate armor? I don't know. They make it seem very effective, and I don't know, maybe. I'm not sure how strong their armor was back in the days. Yeah, I just wonder. I bet there is a YouTube video. Oh, for sure. That covers this topic. Well, and if there wasn't, I'm sure there was an Ultimate Warriors, whatever the name of that show was, where there's like, an Inko Jaguar Warrior <laughs> versus Nazi SS! Who win? 
and you go, well, I mean, the Nazis, they like, got, like, well, Tommy guns and Which shit. one had a submachine gun? Like, it's not going to go that well. And they're like, turns out, Jaguar Warrior wins. He's got that sweet spear that he throws, and it's really strong. And you go, thanks, <laughs> science. Good job. Thank you very much. So I'm sure that exists, like, a medieval knight versus uh, old, old West sheriff or something. That's probably something that, that's something out Something like that. Um, did you enjoy when that Curtis Helldiver or whatever became two zeros? <laughs> the guy's imagination was fruitful. He's like, what if there was a Helldiver? No. What yeah. if it was two zeros, though? Whoever picked out the stock footage for this show. By the way, I think it was canonically only supposed to be one zero. But whoever picked out the stock footage for this show really did not think much of the audience. No, well, I don't think they had any idea what airplanes were. So they just... Like, oh, we'll just do a switcheroo on them. Who cares? Yeah, here's a shot of an airplane and here's another shot of an airplane. We needed two shots. So there you go. Um... How excited do you think the CBS orchestra or whoever was... To come in and do all that fake Irish music. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about it. It's really a stereo. It's a stereotype. The whole character is a stereotype. The music's bad. It's They don't... What they claim to be good at is all the racial stuff. And what they never make a claim to, and they shouldn't, is is the, the sexism. The, they, That's right. They did not solve that at all. But they're not actually that good with the race stuff either. No, that's, well, it's not nuanced. No. It's, I mean, it's a, you know, it'd be a lot of stuff like, well, we're all equal here. Look, there's a black woman. And you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> so you, you definitely still understand in what ways you didn't used to be equal. Right. It was yeah. like, hey, Sulu was born in San Francisco, and... He wouldn't necessarily just be thinking about samurai, like, all the time. He's just gawking around daydreaming about samurai literally ten minutes after he was firing a gun across the river for no goddamn reason. <laughs> it's like, just because he's Japanese. It he doesn't has, mean he's By the just... way, he has something like that gun in his collection, so... Yeah, he's a, he's a gun collector and a swashbuckler. Yeah. And yeah. a drunk Shimoda. Uh, we've seen uh, quite a few fights so far in Star Trek. Uh-huh. Have we seen two worse stunt doubles? Oh my god, one of them the was Kirk balding! And stunt doubles. <laughs> yes, Kirk's stunt double was really balding very badly. It made me really upset because so far Shatner's been doing his own stunts. Yes. And then this guy shows up with his bald ass head and you're like, what the fuck are we watching? But they were so bad that you could tell exactly <laughs> when you were seeing the stunt double and when you were seeing Shatner. This is this is where the data like, stunt uh, doubles. This is their genesis. Yeah, for sure. Like it, uh, if it's probably the same guy. <laughs> it's right. It's just 20 30 years later he was doing but, the, the data stunts. Finnegan's stunt double was awful too and Finnegan's only got 5 lines. They could have used a stunt double to be him. That's right. Just pay the stunt double. Who gives a shit? Oh, maybe he uh, couldn't do an Irish accent. Um, I don't know. What um what do you think ends up happening to this planet? Well, apparently they don't drop a buoy in space that says you're not allowed to come here anymore on pain of death. Yep. The, it's the vacation spot of the fucking century now. They're like, ha let's all enjoy a good time. Fucking horrible place. And um, uh, my last thought as this show ended is, uh, if, um, if McCoy's fucking curse yeoman, mm. is that like a thing? Is that like trouble? Uh, he doesn't seem worried about it. I don't know if that's because he knows he's buddies with the captain and it's bros before hoes, or or what the deal is. But he's not worried. 
based on what we've seen so far of Star Trek, it, it almost certainly is bros before hoes up there. Right. So I think he's just like, well, I don't know if someone wants to bring it up, we'll just quietly make her disappear and, you know, whatever. Or maybe I'll keep her around to embarrass Kirk somehow later. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> yes, he does. I know that was a lot, but I must have left some stuff out. Yeah, um, so we had the same thing about Alice in Wonderland. What 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 the fuck's going on? Why does McCoy imagine a furry version of the White Rabbit? And by furry, I, I, I capitalized furry to indicate I mean creepy people in costumes, but I'm not sure you're supposed to capitalize it. Well, why is it a mascot? Yeah, why is he imagine like a mascot version of the White Rabbit? Why is that how he imagines it? Yeah, they they were not going to burn a lot of money on this show. Yeah, well, uh, yes, that is the reason. I'm just saying, yes. in-universe, what the hell, McCoy? What's wrong with you? That's right. That's what he imagined when he read Alice in Wonderland. I imagine that the tone of this episode was to lighten it up after last week's Romulan battles? Yeah, but also, by the way, why didn't they give that White Rabbit some business to do with, like, a pocket watch or something? Yeah, he just kind of goes, Oh, I'm late! Oh, I'm he... late! And then he, like, tromps off... Apparently five feet away, he disappears and no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it is tonally quite different from Balance of Terror. Yeah, I think they were like, oh, last week was pretty heavy. We gotta we gotta lighten it up a little bit. Uh, I had worst actor. I know you'll give yours. Kirk, after meeting Ruth. Uh, well, I do have dumb Shatner as yeah. worst actor. He's fucking terrible. He's like, smile crying. I didn't really know what was happening. Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, let's see. Weakest guns ever on those aircraft, by the way. That that lady, like, delicately slumps over after getting strafed. That shit would have been extremely violent. Yeah, the, if she'd the been hit 20, by some 20 millimeter or whatever that was coming out of that thing in, <laughs> in real life would have yeah. been bad news. Would have tore her up a... good. Uh, you know, like I said, the good old days of Shat doing his own stunts are gone. Um, Finnegan, Finnegan is 20? Does he mean 20 times 2? Uh... <laughs> So yeah, somehow Kirk gets his shirt torn again. Yeah. Does it every single episode. <laughs> no, that was it. You hit most of the stuff that I had in, in Quick Hitters. Yeah. Um, How'd this piece of shit do? It didn't do great, but frankly, it, it could have done worse. And this is mostly my fault uh, because I gave it five for that take. So mm. I gave it 13 points and you gave it 10 for 23 Last week, both of us gave the episode more than 23 points each. So wow. that's, that's quite a fall. Uh, it's, it's, it's a serious fall. The average for uh, the original series prior to this week was uh, 36.3. So to drop all the way down to 23 is significant. Yeah, they um, they gave up their gains, right? I mean, like, you have a good week like that last week, and then you just give it all back, though, with this shit week. So. Oh well. Why does the why does the article about the zero not call out right at the top how they were armed? It it, it must be in the sidebar, right? It, I, no, it's not. It should what? be, but it's not. Why would the sidebar not include armaments? Two twenty it's millimeter cannons, huge. two seven point seven millimeter machine guns. That's weird. Okay, I had to search yeah. for the word armament. In Those things would have messed yeah, that that'd rip up. Yeah, that shits for yeah. sure. Fucked her whole shit up. Instead, she like very delicately slumps over long after she's finished running. Uh, I gave best actor to Yeoman Side Eye uh, when she sees McCoy show up with those two bitches. Yeah, she, she gives him a look. He doesn't care though. He doesn't give uh, a shit. Ben gave best actor to Spock. That's probably the real answer. But yeah, uh, I enjoyed her side eye. 
Um, but that brings me to uh, to a new segment that I want to do. This is maybe not something we'll do every week, but it's probably worth revisiting once in a while, which is I want to do uh, power rankings hmm. of all of the acting. Oh, fuck. So, okay. For all of the characters on the original series, I have a preliminary <laughs> ranking for who I think has done best and who has done worst. And I haven't included some of the minor characters that haven't had any real screen time. So, for instance, in this initial one, there's no Scotty. Yeah, he's really barely in the show. He has not been on the show much yet. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted to talk this through, and I think this could take some time, so we probably won't do it every week, but we'll probably revisit it Okay. once in a while. So, uh, at the top, I think so far in the series, uh, Spock has been the best. And I'm using their character names because <laughs> when we get to, like, Voyager and Enterprise, I don't, who knows. Yeah, you know the names of those actors. What the fuck gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, here, well, here's what I'll say about Spock. He kind of has the easiest job because most of the time he's supposed to play nothing, right? But he's not playing nothing. Yeah, okay. He's he is playing a guy who thinks everything going on is hilarious, but he's being cool about it. So here's what I was gonna say. Still, does a much better job of playing nothing than Brent Spiner. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, like, it's not close. He's much, much better. And you're right, that he doesn't exactly play nothing. He is slightly bemused yes. by all things that occur on the show. A lot of eyebrow work. He does uh, a lot of eyebrow work. Very slight and subtle smiles. So he's he, a lot of knowing, smiling, and, and almost winking at the camera. He mugs a lot, though. I mean, you have to admit, sometimes, for a Vulcan, from what we're, he tells us about Vulcans... He mugs for the camera quite a bit. That is, is that it's just his human half, or because they hadn't worked out what Vulcans were? It's true, although um, this is a broad show. Yes, it is. He's not exceptional in that regard. Yeah, and once again, grading on a curve. Yeah. Uh, so I have him at the top. It doesn't sound like you have any real objection to that. No, 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 that, that seems fine. Uh, coming in at number two behind him, I have Kirk. Okay. Um, Kirk hasn't done too much real crazy dramatic stuff. In in Miri, he's a little weird, for yeah. sure. I think a couple of times he's given us a nice Kirk howl. Um, yes. Maybe as evil Kirk. Um, but I think you would agree with me that he has done the best physical acting on the show. <laughs> he's... In the sense that he really hits people. Yes, in the sense that the Kirk, the Kirk school of acting is, again, method acting, but not for you, for them. But he gets a great reaction out of people by actually doing the thing instead yep. of pretending to. No, again, and I was giving him so much credit for doing his own stunts, and until until this last episode when he fucking chickened out on the 25-minute fight scene. Yeah, how many days do you think it took to shot that fight scene? I, I don't know. I wonder, like... I wonder how hard it was to do all of those running shots in those Cuban-heeled boots. Yeah, they're not, they don't look like they're very good for, like, duty. Yeah. Why so... are there duty boots like that? It's possible that they shot a lot of that fight scene with a second unit. Yeah. Um, and like may- maybe if he had, if it had been an easier shoot, he would have been in there doing his own. Yeah. So some shit. This is not. This was not Kirk's best episode, but I still think overall, I ha- he's at number two in the series so far. I'm trying to think who else I could put up there, but there. I mean, the only other main character really is McCoy. Yeoman Rand probably got the most lines after that, right? Well, so here is the thing. Uh, coming in at position 2A, I have Yeoman Rand. And I have her at 2A because you and I know that she's off the series. Yeah. 
I'm not sure that it would have been clear to a viewer that she was off the series at this point. Well, certainly not after only one week absence. She I mean, just wasn't in this episode, but she was Scotty wasn't in this shit sure. either. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think if she were still on the series, this, then her position would be immediately below Kirk in terms of what we've seen acting-wise. And you have to discount, I wanted you to look at my legs. <laughs> I used to try to get you to look at my Why legs. Why do I have to discount legs. that? <laughs> because it's so bad. It's so bad, I have to count it. Like, um, but... But it's like throwing out the score from the Russian judge. You know, it's like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Does that mean... That does that mean we have to throw out the scene where she says she would have let the captain do whatever he wanted to her because he's the captain? Because she was still recovering from a real-life shat attack? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Because she was clearly in recovery from that <laughs> scene when they filmed it, and that's why it was good. And that's why she was like, well, I, I will let you do it. I mean... You're the captain and everything. Oh, I didn't want to say anything. Because <laughs> she in real life, the actress is still, like, really shaken by what has happened to her. Um, so maybe throw out the bad and the good, and then, she, yeah, maybe she's somewhere in the middle. Uh, coming in at number three in my preliminary ranking is McCoy. Hmm. I'm not sure that his acting has been any better than the other two people I have on this list, but he's gotten so much more screen time, it would really would be hard to put one of them above him. I feel like... Um, and this played out a little bit in last week's scoring, that you and Ben are not feeling McCoy as much as I am. Not yet. Because I... I I get what... I mean, look, they're going for something. That's obvious. Like you said, this is a broad show. So they're going for something with him, and what they're going for is that country... country wisdom. Down-home country wisdom, you know? Yes, but also... Spock is supposed to be the brain, and McCoy is supposed to be the heart. Right. Yes. But so far, now there has so so there has been some good stuff. Like there's a reason that I have him above, uh, and I'll just the rest of my list is number four Sulu, number five Uhura. Yeah, they have those. This two. is not neither of those is it really their fault. They haven't been given much, but yeah. they are at least consistently showing up from week to week. Right. Uh, McCoy has had some some good moments when he is challenging Kirk about promoting somebody too fast hmm. or threatening him with entries in his medical log. So you like it better when he he's getting into it. He hasn't been all he hasn't been all bad. I just don't think he's been as good as Spock or Kirk and I I still am tempted to put Yeoman Rand above him, but maybe you can talk me out of that. I wonder I wonder on my list given the role he's supposed to be playing and the lines he's given I just wonder if I would say he's accomplishing his job better than anyone but Spock. Mm. Kirk has so much that he has to do. I think it's a lot harder for Shatner to keep up with what he's supposed to be doing. And he ends up just doing a lot of Shatner stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of Shatner going on. And like, yes. I, and like I was saying about Spock, how Spock's role is maybe a little easier than Kirk's. I think McCoy's is easier, too, because he's going for a really specific thing and he doesn't have to stray. He just has to be down-home country doctor. And sometimes that means getting into it with Kirk. And sometimes it just means bantering with him and, and being, you know, carefree or whatever. But I think he's doing a really good... The actor's doing a really good job of portraying the broad-ass character that they want. Which is just down-home country doctor or whatever. So I just wonder if I would have him higher on the list based on accomplishing the goal that's been set out for him. Which is not to be, like, a fully three-dimensional character, but to be good old Dr. McCoy. So, so uh, I just realized now this should be a table. So I'm doing my side. <laughs> not, I, not I a spreadsheet. Know. 
I know you love to make the lists. And this is what this is. is uh, another Star Trek list. Because 2.45 on average was not enough time to spend on Star Trek. <laughs> right. We need to... Let's uh, bump that average up over three if we can. Alright, so my list is Spock, Kirk, Rand, McCoy, Sulu, Uhura. Yeah. And your list is something different, so... I think I would it look at it as... I th- I think you're right that Spock's number one. I think I'd then go McCoy, Kirk. Yeah, it has to be Rand. Sulu and Uhura. I think I'd have Uhura and then Sulu. You think Uhura is doing a, work? a creepy thing, but I think that's what they wanted her to do. All the weird singing and teasing Spock about his boners and shit. <laughs> Sulu, I don't think anyone has any idea what he's supposed to do or be. And I don't think the actor yeah. knows. I don't think the writers know. I don't think anybody has any idea. And so it's just like sometimes he's drunk Shimoda. He was actually really good in last week's episode with his two lines in the conference room in Balance of Terror. But most of the time he's nothing. And it's I can't get a read on him. So You might be right. Um, this is something I realize now I am going to have to make it into a spreadsheet so that I can assign... <laughs> Points for first place down to points for sixth place and then total them up and that'll be how the ranking works. So I'll create that sheet at some point. So for now, I'll just leave this as a table and I'll, I'll do that off air. All right. Um, anything, anything final to say about shore leave before we move on? No, it was terrible. It was not a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week we watched too short a season. A terrorist incident on Mordan 4 can only be resolved by old-ass Admiral Mark Jameson. Only he's getting younger by the hour, and also his history on the planet is checkered. To say the least. I mean, he did a bad thing. Yeah. He did a bad... He was not a... Uh, He's not a good guy. He did a bad thing, but what was worse? The thing he did, or the thing the writers did? Uh... Because the writers did this episode, and that's a really bad thing that they did. This is a sloppy episode. Yeah. Uh, and all of the drama in this episode is based on the special effect, the aging special effect. Yeah. And since that doesn't work, the episode doesn't work. Yeah. The makeup is brutal. So, 40 years ago. Yeah. He, uh, this, then Commander Mark Jameson came in as, like, the fifth guy to attempt to settle some hostage crisis on this planet. Yeah, yeah, right. And the thug, the warlord who had taken prisoners, wanted uh, Federation weapons. Yes. Yeah, that was his price for giving up the hostages. And he gave them to him to get the hostages back. So, okay, it's it's Iran-Contra. It's Iran-Contra. Yes, it's very clear what is happening. We're doing the Iran-Contra here. Yeah. But, it's uh, in, but then it's in the context of another plot. Which, but also, yeah. Wisdom of Solomon style. Yes, yes. She gave the same weapons to this guy's enemies. This guy thought this was like a super good solution. And they ended up having a bad civil war for like 35 more years. Yeah, like lots of people died in it. So many. And now this guy 
let me know if you think I'm going into too much depth. It's just sometimes we read these yes. synopses and and then I we just don't talk about what actually happened in the episode. Yeah, sometimes I do the same thing where I go, let's step back for a second and just make sure that right. if anyone is listening to this for some reason and they haven't seen these episodes, that they will understand what is going on. So now the guy he struck the deal with is, is in power. Yeah. And he has made up a pretend situation about somebody else taking the Federation ambassador hostage. And he's asking specifically for Jameson. And this, it's simple. He just wants to kill him. He blames Jameson for the 35 years of Civil War, and he's going to kill him. Yes. That's the whole plan. Uh, and Jameson, who has Iverson's disease, which confines him to Captain Pike's wheelchair. Yes, I saw that. But like, with, but it's like, it's got nicer appointments. It's futuristic. Like it's, it's got walnut and leather. It's futuristic. It's it's very nice, but it is also just as useless as, as Captain right. Pike's wheelchair. Um, so useless, in fact, that you never see it move. He, on another planet, found magic fountain of youth drugs. Maybe he bought them from Harry Mud. It's not clear. Yeah. Uh, wait, uh, I thought we found out in the Harry Mud episode that it was the power of belief that made you beautiful. Um, Remember well, at the I end, mean, she's taking like she's taking placebos. Yeah, at the end she takes placebo Venus drugs, but still becomes beautiful because she really imagined it hard. Well, but also in the universe of Star Trek, thought shapes reality. Yep, I know. This is a... This is such a oh, by the way, I found out... I remembered the fundamental question that you can't ask. You can't ask what is the Federation, and you can't ask what is the Universal Translator. And, okay. in, and in TNG, you can't ask what Troy's powers are, because the whole show unravels if you ask these questions. This is very... It's very good points. Yeah. Uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. Exactly correct. Uh, anyway, he got enough for him and his old wife. Yeah. Uh, but then, when he gets this call, he decides he has to be young and strong to face... The guy's name is Karnas. Mm. He decides he has to be young and strong to face Karnas, so he just takes all of them, all of the drugs at once. Yeah. And then he becomes uh, 23. He becomes my biology teacher, John McCabe, the one that went to prison for trading cocaine for sex with his high school students. Nice. Looked just like this guy. That's good. Uh... Uh, and then he dies in front of him, and then the guy's like, all right, I guess you can have the ambassador back then. I got what I wanted, right, in a roundabout way. Uh, and no one else is in this episode but Picard. I also found that. Um, so, uh, that's what happens in this episode. Matthew, what is this, what was the take? Okay, so, I think they want us to think the take is something about how you, you can't recapture your glory days. Because he's, he's striving so hard to become young again. And to be important again, and to run the mission, and to go back and and do all that stuff. But the bombshell in the episode, and they treat it as such, is not the anti-aging plotline so much as it is the uh, what he did forty-five years ago. Yes, like you find out pretty late into the episode what he really did, and they treat it very dramatically, like, oh yeah, I blew it really bad. And so then it's like I think the episode is you you actually you can't atone for past mistakes. <laughs> which is which is kind of sad, because that's not a very optimistic take. It's not very Roddenberry. But he it's, spends the whole time trying to atone for his past mistakes. But it's like you can't, dude. All those people are dead, and you're dead in, in the not, effort. You're right that what the episode is about is not about the the deaging, and it is about the mistakes from your past. Yeah. What was what was the take worth to you? Um, three. Three, it was a, it's a, just a very pessimistic take, and it's not very Roddenberry, and it's, it, I'm not sure it's true, it's not even a truism, because I don't know if it's true, because sometimes you can, but it's, in this very specific case, he couldn't, anyway, 
I, I didn't think it was a very strong take in any way. Yeah, so here's where I came down. And if I don't sound strong about this, I, I did have to phrase my take in the form of a question, yeah. which of course is not not what you want, and it never earns many points when it's true. Yeah. Um. So my take here is, who bears the responsibility for putting right the mistakes of the past? Oof, yeah, that's tough. Tough to give that points. Well, I gave it... I mean, I gave it four points. Oh, okay. It's like... Well, okay, it's at least a compl- made, It's at least a thoughtful question. He made this mistake. It's not clear that it's been weighing on him at all, by the way. Until the guy calls him out of nowhere. Right, but when it comes up... He is so certain that this is his responsibility... Yeah. That he eats all those drugs. He ate them all, dude. He's like, I got enough for both of us. She's like, uh-huh. And he's like, but I ate them! <laughs> She's, and she goes, what? <laughs> Even when he tells Picard what happened, yeah, it doesn't change anything about who is going to fix the problem. And Picard, by he the doesn't... way, does not really volunteer to step in and try to fix it. But he, he kind of does not. But, like, he has the whole resources of this starship, and also, the rest of the Federation. Yeah, they're never consulted. No, they are not consulted. At one point, Picard sort of upbraids him for not telling Starfleet what happened, but it's like, dog, what are you talking about? Yeah, it is always funny coming from Picard. I think I have that somewhere in here. Um, <clears throat> so he places all of the responsibility for this error on his own shoulders. Karnas also feels like this thing is entirely Jameson's fault. Yeah, Karnas so does not blame the, himself at all. He has fully the opposite position. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Karnas is supposed to be an, an asshole, so that makes Karnas sense. Karnas is, is a villain. Karnas-hole. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> and also thinks it's Jameson's it's up to Jameson to make it right. In this case, just by dying. But, like, yeah, that's clearly enough for him. Yes. Because once Jameson dies in front of him, he's like, all right, well, that was all I wanted. Yeah. What does he care? So, he's already in charge. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's why I think this is an, sort of an investigation about whose responsibility it is to fix the mistakes of the past. And, the, you know, it's sort of about not asking for help also. Right. So what did you uh, think execution-wise? I, I gave it a four. Execution-wise... Um, Actually, I gave it a six. Okay. Uh, I mean, I had to do some work to back construct the premise, so then obviously when you do that, there's there's plenty of evidence. Yeah, because you're starting with the evidence. Uh, right. Pointing towards it. Um, but uh, it's hard to give it a lot of points because this episode is plain bonkers. Yeah. I agree. Uh, do you have any anything specific you want to say about the execution, or just not not so good? No, I mean, I basically talked about the execution okay. already. I mean, so, you know, obviously the who is responsible for this civil war is is kind of both of them. Yes. And like you said, they have opposing views, which is not bad as a literary device. Yes. But, um, you know, like, nobody that we care about has anything to do in this episode. Nope. The main cast is painfully absent. Yeah. I mean, not Brent Spiner. His absence is never painful, but... Um... 
Yeah, okay, so given my take, you you cannot atone for your past mistakes. Uh, here's what I had. Let's see. Uh, it actually would have been more effective if he'd only kind of emotionally revisited his past. Why did we have to do the dumb anti-aging plotline? To make it uh, more yeah. sci-fi? I guess. I mean, I could understand if this episode was actually about the emotional aspects of aging and your role and and everything like that. And as Picard's little quips in the end indicate, by the way, Picard tries to make us think in the end that it's about that. It's certainly not, though. But that just didn't seem to be what the episode was really about. The aging plot is apparent early on, and then the bombshell is how bad he botched things 45 years ago and how badly he wants to correct his mistakes. So that's what it's about. And how he has to take everything on himself. Like, he doesn't talk to his wife about any of this. He doesn't doesn't really consult Picard. He just tells him what's going on. So this, but only to explain why he knows that Karnas is the one holding the hostages. So this cheesy makeup and bad acting um, is such a distraction. It is very distracting. And then it's so tonally off at the end. Like, I guess he technically saves the day. And, like, he doesn't really make up for what came before, but at least he dies. But then the ending is so triumphant on the bridge. Like, another mission accomplished. We're off to wherever. And it's like, whoa. This is kind of a dark ending. Like, turns out this guy is some kind of criminal, really. Like, a war criminal. Who sold weapons to all these people and made them kill each other for years and years and years. And then he died. And you're just like, great, we had a great time this week. Can't wait for next week's adventures. Yeah. So, I don't know. The whole thing didn't seem to be very good. I gave it a two. Two on execution for me. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, look, I gave it a six, but it's, it's... It's hard to argue that it's not a two. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We have just slightly different premises. Cetera, right. But... Based on execution of the premise, it got yeah. more points for yours and not for mine. Um, so the back half of yeah. this episode for me uh, did, did not score well. Uh, by the way, uh, Ben's take on this is there are no do-overs. Yes, yes. That's what mine was, too. That you yeah, can't. So he, he agrees with you on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think actually Ben makes a good point. What is Karnas's end game here? I think, like, like you said, just literally to kill Jameson. But, like, what did he think was going to happen after he killed a Starfleet Admiral? Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, what is the Federation, though? Damn it. Yeah. <sighs> We're not Again, supposed not to, ask. to ask. Yeah, I know. It's unclear what his relationship is to Starfleet and the Federation and what he fears from them, because what do they even do? I don't know. What do they do? Yeah, exactly. Um, I just wanted to, to to make sure to get that in because I think uh, it's a good, it's a it's a reasonable point. Like, what 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 happened next in this guy's imagination? Yeah. It's the it's the same as, um, shit. I mean, in reality, what would have happened? <laughs> uh, it's the same as the it's the same as the miners in Mud's Women. Oh yeah, where they try to put Kirk over a barrel, and it's like yeah, but uh, it's like there's dog, there's three of you. Like another starship can just come here, and yeah. then what are you gonna do? Also, he could just kill you. Yeah, well, that true. That t- too. T- but t- then he'll never find the dilithium. They've hidden it. <laughs> it's all hidden. <laughs> um, I was gonna say what would happen in real life. Not that this is anything close to a real life situation, but what would really happen is he would watch Jameson die, and then get immunity from the Federation, and that is what he would trade the Ambassador for. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's what would happen. He wouldn't just go, ah, right, you can have him, and then let the, let the fucking chips fall where they may. 
Yeah. But the show had to be over. Yeah, exactly. They'd wasted so much time showing the 15 stages of Admiral Jameson's transformation. Yeah, God. You're not kidding, dude. Like, the cast is not in this episode. It's it's bonkers. No. And um, when they show up, it's just it's a, useless. And we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, I thought there was also very little world building. Go for it. Youth drugs on Cerebus 2. Okay, I didn't actually remember the name of the planet he got them from, but okay. I just I wrote it down while I was watching it. Yeah, yeah. DNA can be skewed. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Crusher says his DNA is skewed somehow. Okay. I I don't think that means anything. <laughs> it's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> fucking um, fucking Crusher. Someone said the word word uh, plastisteel, so that's something. No. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, I give it two points for world building. Here's what I got. Buckle up. All right. There's something called Persephone Five. Okay. There's something called Mordan Four. Okay. Another the people s- of Mordan Four are called Mordanites. Yes. Another super sweet they, wheelchair. St- I'm still not sure if they're human or not. No, I have no idea. That that wheelchair, by the way, fits in very well with the bridge furniture. Uh, it is exactly like the bridge furniture. I mean, but how I lucky mean, when he lines his up on the side of Riker's chair, it looks like a fourth chair. You just go, oh, okay, that's just in there. That's oh, part oh, of the ship. Um, it's like the little fold-out ones that'll be there later. All the mission control details that I know you love about how Picard gets the captain of the ship and Jameson the away team and the overall mission and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I guess that is something that I would have given credit for in an episode if I was less mad at the episode, <laughs> probably. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but how, oh, I'll, this is where I figured out this is one of the questions you can't ask. How does Troy's empathic power work? It's line of sight, apparently. But also over like many light years, like over yeah. a view screen. Yeah, it's you can it's look at the image troubling. of someone, and you know what? Never mind. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bit of business where they're Jameson is talking to Carnass uh, on the screen, and then Troy has something not useful to say afterwards. Yeah, one of the key Jenga pieces of TNG. I'm not going to touch it. Um, dude is 85, but looks about 300 thanks to that crazy makeup. He's 85 years old. Yes. Did you see the makeup on him? Yeah. It's, it's McCoy's makeup from when he was supposed to be 137. Is this because of <clears throat> Iverson's syndrome? It's his Iverson syndrome for sure. Okay. Uh, and I guess Jameson commanded the Gettysburg. Yes. At some point. Yes. But maybe not when he was a Starfleet commander? I don't know. Unless it's like a frigate or something. That might have a commander running the ship. It's not clear. That's all I had. I gave it a three. Yeah. That's you still found some things in there that I didn't care about, so <laughs> congratulations. But um hey, maybe the characterization was really good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh here's what I got. Troy is really obvious when she's reading emotions. She like stares at people and cranes her neck all around. Yep. So that's good. It's very subtle. Um somebody needs to tell Beverly that only a Sith Lord deals in absolutes. Yes. She is sure that nobody could ever recover from Iverson syndrome. Never, yep. no matter what. Yep, 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 yep. Also, it's definitely not a misdiagnosis or anything, so... <laughs> You'd think that, like, as a scientist, she'd be more curious about what was happening. But she's just like, no. No! Uh, I hate when guest characters get all the character building. Yes, the it's, whole it's very poor. was his arc. Uh, the cast wasn't spo- even supposed to do anything in this episode except look at him. And yeah, go. and he's dead at the end, so it's throwaway. Yeah, it's a score killer. Like, how many points can Picard earn for this show by acting suspicious the whole time? Not many, and no. he's not that suspicious. I gave it a two. This is, when, in, in nine years, when we get to the Pegasus, mm-hmm. 
we'll see a much better suspicious Picard. That's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, and, and him and, and oh, and Riker and his dad. He takes his two oh, dads. Yeah. Yes, <sighs> when Riker's two dads are fighting, it's very bad. I'm really. I wish we could just jump. Can we just pick and choose from now on? How about we draw <laughs> no. lots? Yeah, we draw lots, and we each get to pick. Like the winner gets to pick the episode that we do next <laughs> for every series. <laughs> Which means for Enterprise and Voyager, it'll just be random because we don't know what any of them are. But right, um, I gave it a two. I I could have given it a one, but I gave it a two. Yeah, I mean, I gave it a three, and really, the the three is just based on the little tiny bits and pieces of the other characters that we see. Mm. Uh, I mean, like I said, it's a it's kind of a two hander where one of the two hands dies at the end. Yeah, um, Picard who. Uh, takes wild decisions with prime directive implications without consulting anyone is totally hypocritical here. I loved it. It was so great. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say. It was, a, I mean, I gave it a three. I could, you could get as low as a one and I would, that's fine too. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I did it. I did end up giving it 15 points, which is not great for TNG. It is higher than I gave shore leave. And I do kind of stand by that decision. Yeah, here's what I'll say about this week, and it's not good. Sometimes the episodes are not good, and they don't score well, but I have fun watching them. And I That think, wasn't this. Yeah, I think I had fun watching none of the episodes this week. Yeah, that wasn't this week, really. Yeah. Um, I got some quick hitters. I bet you do. Let's hear them. The dude Karnas has some sweet guns on his wall. He does. It's a good look for a world leader. I have watched this episode probably six or seven times prior to this. Mm -hmm. I had never noticed before that those are actually old style phasers. Oh, okay. So there's he's some got continuity? The fucking, he's got the phaser up there that Kirk shoots Chekhov's earworm with. <laughs> like that era. Those are straight up the ones that What's-His-Name gave him. Yeah, he's got the weapons That's that crazy. Jameson gave him on the wall wow. behind him. And at no point does Picard go, oh, Federation phasers. Dude, you pointing that out kind of makes me want to give him continuity points. I mean... That's bon I mean, they didn't explicitly mention it, which just makes it hard to score it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, also in that dude's office are some sweet Falcon statues. The dude, <laughs> just, he, overall, he just had the office look down. Let's, let's talk about those, because that was my first quick hitter, too. What is the symbolism of showing the backs of the eagles to the viewer? Yeah, they were so facing he, him. He's got these eagles <clears throat> in his office so that they face him. Yeah. And when he's on the view screen, you just see their butts. You just see the backs of the eagles framing him. It's like you're watching eagles watching him. It's very <laughs> odd. Also, it just it just doesn't make sense symbolically. They obviously knew that they had created a super sick office for this guy because on the view screen it's always a wide shot. Yes. Where he's little behind his desk and you see all this other shit. And normally their head's all just blown up on the view screen. Watch any of the episodes. It, sometimes it's just the person's head in front of a fucking white space. <laughs> Especially with the like, Ferengi. Uh, the Ferengi. Like, it's just Kazago fucking... Their bridge must look weird. Just It's just in a photographer's studio white <laughs> space. I'm in here taking pictures of my crafts to sell on Etsy. I'm holding a paintbrush in some of these. Do you want to, how much, it's $12 for the pocket size. I have one overall strap down. It's twenty nine ninety nine if you want six by eight. I'm holding a basketball because I like basketball. <laughs> they made me fill out a, a form before I walked into the room, and I don't even really like basketball. I just, I didn't know what to say on the form. 
These are the fun shots. I also have the ones where I'm wearing the tuxedo dicky. It's for my graduate. I'm graduating. These are my senior pictures, Riker. <laughs> you're interrupting my senior pictures. Um. Uh, but you're right. They they liked this set. They liked Carnass's office set, and I liked it too. If I could get them points somehow for that, I would do it. But it, I don't know where to put that. Um, I mean, we would have to go into execution. I think. Yeah, no, it doesn't rate there. Uh, that old man makeup really sucks, though. Yeah, like, it's bad. Which stage of his makeup do you think was the worst? Because I had real trouble deciding. Because uh, even when he's like supposed to be only kind of old, the makeup is so terrible. It's bad at every stage. I I actually think oldest is worst though. Okay, because he looked like he was four hundred years. When he's hamming it up by like uh, squinting and pressing his mouth together real tight. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, it's like a middle. It's like a middle school play. <laughs> yes. It's like a middle school play level of makeup. <laughs> it was he's, so bad. He's playing an old character in Bye Bye Birdie or whatever, and I don't know. Yeah, and they ain't got they ain't got nobody to come in and do that shit professionally. They're just figuring. They out just as they, they go. just drew old age lines on his face with mascara. It's very bad. Just body changes. Does this guy expect his old wife to believe he's going through double puberty? Uh, that's a good question. Straight up told her it was just body changes. You're 85, dog. Your body's not going to change anymore. I mean, it's going to change to dead. The doctor said this would happen. It's like, no, don't think so. Uh, hey, Worf, thanks for offering to help the Admiral out of his chair. Just stands there looking at him from over his shoulder with mild curiosity as he staggers out of the damn chair. Yeah. Did not help him at all. Uh, when Jameson dropped to his knees and we got to see the wide shot, I just, um, I just imagine the scene in a few weeks where Riker fucking Bruce Lee cross-kicks the shit out of Admiral Quinn. Yes, it's coming up. cannot wait for that business. Oh, and Quinn no-sells him? Oh, he's like, what? Is that all you got? Check Mm? out this fucking roundhouse shit. Boom! Mm? Roundhouse is the shit out of Riker after that. I fucking love it. It, It's coming up. It's like only nine episodes away. Oh, I can't wait. We gotta get through Arsenal of Freedom first. Um, again, gotta love the irony of Picard asking Jameson to let Starfleet know what's going on. I just so <laughs> ironic to hear it from him. Um, why wouldn't this guy's crazy medical status allow Picard to appeal to Starfleet if he was suspicious of Jameson? Uh, like, what is happening is crazy with your body and everything, and I think they'd be happy to like pull him off of this thing. Yeah, or just, like, take, you know, the mission is time critical. Just take command. Yeah, especially and when then, he finds out the dude sold weapons as his main negotiating tactic. Like, just drop him from the mission. Yeah, hey, I know we're uh, one week, uh, I'm sorry, we're one day out of uh, out of our transfer here. Um, but in that time, he's taken a bunch of crazy alien drugs. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's going through puberty backwards, and also it turns out... Uh, he hella soul weapons. Yeah, so like, he's really, on. I think, you know, let's, let's let old Jean-Luc Picard handle this one, huh? Yeah, I wish Picard had shown some spine. That would have been cool. Um, like, just get just get on the radio and call somebody. Just call Fleet Admiral Shanty and <laughs> say, right. hey, 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 we got to talk about Jameson. Riker, you're in command of the Enterprise. Still weird to hear him just call him Riker. It is weird. Um, and Data's fucking determined face came back also. Yeah, I didn't. He put puts it, in, it on when he needs it. Didn't put it in the characterization because that's literally all he does in the episode. But that's all I had for quick hitters. 
Um, why does Jameson specify that he's going to beam on board at 1,500 hours if he means right away? I, I didn't know. And again, they make a point of having the characters ask this question. Because someone notes, that's we're almost at 1,500 now, sir. And it's like, why did you write that, though? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be, I, my wife and I will beam aboard at 1,500 hours. End transmission. Data turns around. It's nearly 1,500 now, sir. Is that supposed to be they a They just character? go right to the fucking transporter room. What it, is this? Is that supposed to be a character trait? I mean, I'm saying they did it intentionally, clearly. So what are they doing? Is that supposed to be like, he's peculiar because he says 1,500 when he means one minute? When he means I am coming immediately. I'll like, be there right away. They did it on purpose, so I don't know. I don't know what it was for. Uh, you did not like hearing Picard. You don't like hearing Picard say Riker. Yeah, I don't like it. I found that I had a visceral reaction, and I did not like when Jameson called Riker number one. Oh yeah, that was pretty gross, wasn't it? It's very. Yeah. It feels it's, incestuous or something. It's wrong. It's yeah. just it's wrong somehow. Didn't like it. Um, He's and Picard's Beverly, number one. Beverly really does not like and gives a stink face to Picard when he uh, compares her to Troy. He says that's a that's an insight I would have expected from Counselor Troy. She shoots him a look. She does. She's not into even that. she knows. Even she's I don't like, know if it's what does she, she even thinks, do? Know, she thinks Troy dresses slutty or what? But there's something about Troy that she doesn't like, uh, and that's why she's always all the time saying sorry, Troy. Well, I will say that Troy seemed particularly booby in this episode. <laughs> they had her taped up a little bit yeah, or something. Yeah, she was pushing them all up. Uh, I, <laughs> and I was reading the the book. They brought in a different producer to, to run season three. Uh, Gene Ronberry lost a fight with the studio and took his ball and went home. Right. And uh, well, they brought the new guy and he hadn't seen any Star Trek. And he watched uh, two episodes and he said to one of the people, Oh, I get it. Tits in space. <laughs> and that's right. You got yeah. it right, sir. You nailed it. Um... <laughs> Picard always seems to like taking the con, and now he offers it to the Admiral. Is I mean, is this a thing? Is it fun to pilot these ships? And they all like they all like it. They all remember when they were ensigns. I think um, I think this is another thing that in universe they probably talk about. They probably ask that exact question. Why does Picard always like offer somebody the con? Does he, yeah, think, does he think that's really cool? You think we should hear Jordy and Worf whispering about it at the back? Like, <laughs> that's right. Is, is that supposed to be awesome? Because you just like push six buttons and it <laughs> looks pretty everything easy. Happens. It's like we haven't. No one even imagined the manual control joystick yet. So <laughs> yeah. Um, this guy looked pretty bad at sixty-five. Yeah. When he had de-aged to the point of sixty-five, isn't that only a few years older than Picard is supposed to be? <laughs> this is my question about that makeup. Is this Iverson syndrome that's making him look like this? Because yeah. it never looks appropriate. It's gross. Um, Karnas folds instantly when Jameson accused him of taking the hostages himself. So, yes, yeah, so what? Yes, okay, yes, it's me. <laughs> um, I did think it was mildly interesting that he thought it was credible that the dissidents would try to get the Federation to disavow his government. So, like... Again, what is Mordan for? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are they human? Why does this work? They're not in the Federation. No. What is the Federation? There you go. It's it's always like, how many degrees of separation are we from? What is the Federation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why they take Jordy on that commando away team? Uh, so they could use his super cool vision. 
to like, so he could tell them that something's plastisteel. <laughs> that's right, and so he could go yes. as lasers shoot all around him. He go, I think they're shooting lasers. They could take a they could take a tricorder. I agree. Data knows how to work a tricorder. <laughs> um. Uh, Worf saves Jameson from a shot that was going to miss him by 12 feet. <laughs> like, who painted that phaser bolt? That was nowhere near him. Worf's Is it because of the angle the camera was at and where the squib went off on the set? And they're like, well, like, that's where it hits, so. I once had a badminton par- partner who dove every time the, the <laughs> shuttlecock came over the net. I think because he thought it made him look like heroic or something. And what it really did was just leave me standing there without a partner for a lot of the time. And I was always yelling at him, and I was really mad at him all the time. And I think that's what Worf is. I think Worf's always just like, I'll just fucking dive out of the way. I'll look so cool. I'll push this guy out of the way. Everyone will think I'm a fucking hero. Yeah. That shot was not close to him. No. Um, How do you feel about the handheld shot of Picard entering the bridge? Like, it's unusual. It's also completely unnecessary. It reminds me of some of the shots in uh, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if they were just going for a different look. It's like sometimes they want to take the camera on a walkabout here, mm-hmm. just to mix things up. But like, which again, you almost never see unless they're on location. There was no tension or story here, so why? I agree. Agreed um, again. At and at some point, you see, uh, Carnass's office from the point of view of his desk, so you can see that. In between the eagles, there's like a tapestry. Is he hiding his TV set back there? <laughs> yes, he is. He does was... that shit like, does he pull the curtain up when he's going to take a call? He was watching Hot Bench. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? He was watching Hot Bench, and then like when someone comes in, he puts his tapestry over the TV. What is Hot Bench? Hot Bench is a show that I hear Tony Kornheiser talk about sometimes, because he's 100 years old. Which is apparently <laughs> one of the afternoon judge shows. But they have like a judge panel that will judge your small claims nonsense. And it's called Hot Bench. And I assume that's what Carnass was watching before someone walked in. And then he, like, put the tapestry over his TV. He's like, no, there's no, there's no TV in here. Just me and my Falcons. Just looking cool. Uh, totaling it up. Uh, I gave this episode 15. You gave it 10. Yeah. Uh, it's 25 points, so we scored it two higher than Shoreleave. I scored it two higher than Shoreleave. You scored it exactly the same. Yeah, I, I I had added them up previously as 10 and 11. It's because I forgot that I had given um, Shoreleave a textbook one as the take. I thought I'd given it a two. <laughs> so yes, 10 and 10. 10 and 10 for those for me. Uh, I gave uh, best actor to um, that old lady for managing to cry in the middle of this ridiculous scenario. Seriously, did someone punch her in the head before I don't the know. camera started rolling? She's putting a, sticking a tack in her thigh or something. <laughs> Yeah, she is a best. She deserves it. And I uh, gave worst actor to should I catch this falling Admiral Riker? <laughs> well, Frank's is going to get this a lot, I think. It's it's his award to lose, right? The worst actor award. It... I, I think so. But this is this one is pure physicality, where it's like when we see the guy stumble, we see Riker like lurch like he's going to catch him, but then not do anything, and it's like, <laughs> eh, all right. That was not a necessary or successful piece of business. Clearly a one take. And um, that brings us to the power rankings. Oh boy, alright. Now we're going to get into it. This is going to be controversial now, the, I think. Well, everyone on the show gets a lot more to do than on, than on TOS. 
Uh, yeah, it is true. I think they were more committed to it being an ensemble. Yeah. Um, so I have 10 actors in my oh, rankings. Boy. Okay. So I'm going to give you my order. Number one, Picard. Okay. Number two, Jordy. Yeah, a couple of times we've pointed out that he said something that sounded like a real person. Number three, and this is based on what we've seen so far, mind you. Troy. Oh, boy, okay. Number four, Worf. Yeah, I love Worf. Number five, but they haven't given him a lot yet. No, he only has like one line. For now, he's only had for Battle Come to Me. Number (laughs) five, Riker. Oh, okay, all right. Number six, Crusher. Yeah, she's not great. I have him at 6A, because I don't think we're ever going to see him again, but number 6A, Argyle. (laughs) Well, I do appreciate aspects of his performance. Number 7, Wesley. He's not good. Coming in at number 8, Data. Almost always bad. Yeah, it's not, yeah, yes. And bringing up the rear at number nine, Yar. She just hasn't had anything to do, and what she's done hasn't been good. She shouts a lot. Everything she says is kind of a shout. Her most her her largest acting performance so far penalty has box. been if you weren't the captain. Yeah, penalty, yeah, penalty box. Penalty box. That's alright, she'll be dead soon. Um, how, how would you rate the characters so far? Yeah, I think un- it's unfortunate because I don't think we've even seen that much out of Picard, really, but you have to give him number one because He's at least kind of acquitting himself as a professional actor. Yeah. And it feels like a cop-out, but what else, who are you going to give it to? Um, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, yeah, I like jo- I like Jordy at two. And again, I think it's because he was previously an actor. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, so, that's right. Exactly. He had a career. Before this show. Even though Worf hasn't had much. I, have... I mean, Dorn was in Chips, so I guess there's something. Yeah, even though he hasn't had much to do, he's delivered his one-liners pretty good. You like um, him at number three. Yeah, I want him at three. Um, I don't see what you see in Troy. Okay. Um, uh, most of the time... She's had some moments so far. Most of the time I find Marina Sirtis's performance to be... It's like, it's she only has like a couple of switches. It's like melodrama, which is most of Encounter at Farpoint, and a little bit of like Naked Now and, and things like that. Yeah, um, I think I'm giving her points mostly for... Destroying Riker in Haven. Yeah. And uh, for her competent performance in Angel One. I feel that's true. She was actually able to portray the correct look of astonishment at Riker's outfit, as opposed (laughs) to Yar, who was acting as hard as she could, as always. Yep. Um, I think... You know what's very surprising here? Knowing what we know about TNG, I think in the future we will we will obviously be redoing this list. But right yes. now, I have Doctor Crusher up pretty high, and the reason that I do is because there have been two or three moments that have stood out to me where I've gone, "Huh, that's like <laughs> that's like what a person would do," and we've noted them on here. And I didn't like doing it because I have a pretty <laughs> I have a built-in hatred of her from having watched all these episodes 500 times and her character is shitty and most of the time Gates McFadden is shitty but so far she hasn't been that terrible she's obviously been way better than Wesley like a hundred well that's true Wesley is probably at the bottom you're welcome ladies I don't know what to do with Argyle adults Um, you're welcome ladies shut up (laughs) um so okay so what do I have so far I have Picard 
Jordy, Jordy Worf, and Crusher. Okay. Um, I guess you're right. Frakes has to fall in there somewhere. I have to put him right below Crusher. Okay. He, he's either playing kind of nothing or Frakes. And Frakes isn't good. Um, then I guess Troy. Boy, Yar and Wesley. They're at the bottom. I can't figure out which ones. Who am I missing? Uh, Data, and you, oh. you seem to be punting on Argyle. I don't know what to do with him. He's barely in the show. <laughs> um, can I punt on him? Is that possible? Or does he have yeah, to go in there because he's in yours? You can punt on him. I can pull, I'll pull him out of the rankings. It doesn't matter. Um, I just wanted to point out that I thought his performance has been better than Wesley, Data, and Yar. That's all. Oh, no, yeah, no. That is a fact. That's definitely a fact. <laughs> Uh, boy, uh, I don't know what to do. With... I think we uh, particularly in where no one has gone before. That's his star role. Right? Is, <laughs> well, when, it doesn't mean how, anything. It doesn't so. mean how can it? How can it be dangerous? <laughs> I like his sarcasm. Um, I do believe, for all the shit we give Brent Spiner, that he is a more capable actor than Yar or Will Wheaton, but not for what he's supposed to be playing. <laughs> he's doing such a bad job at playing a robot. Yeah. He's doing like the like, as bad a job as you could do playing that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say Wesley, Data, Yar. I think you're right. Yar is execrable. I mean, I don't think there's anything you can do with her. And luckily, she won't stay on the list forever. Yeah, she has to go to the bottom because she's a disaster. All she does is yell. She's kind of like Archer. She's almost always on the verge of tears. And she kicks people a lot. That's it. That's all I got for her. So, uh, um, a 25. Not yeah. great. Yeah, 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 Actually puts TNG in the lead so far this week, though. But there are three more episodes to go, including If Wishes Were Horses. Uh, the whole crew, um, they start imagining shit and it becomes real again, uh, until they discover that it's, the, they're just imagining shit and it's not real. And it's because there are some aliens that are pretending to be their, the things that they're imagining because they want to s- study humanity. Is that it? Uh, it's it if it's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, specifically Cisco and his son imagine Buck Bakai. Yep. Who is a base a fictional baseball player from the just after future. Like yep. 20, 20, 2015 or something? What's he supposed to be from? Uh twenty twenty six or something is, is yeah. when he breaks the record. He must have a long career because he plays in the twenty forty two World Series. Somebody mocked up his baseball card long ago, so you can find yes. that. Um uh, I think data event data says when the record is broken. That's right. In The Big Goodbye. I think it's in the 2020s sometime. But he doesn't say it's Buck Bakai. But he plays in the last World Series in 2042. Yeah. Uh, uh, O'Brien imagines Rumpelstiltskin because he's reading a story to his daughter. Um, yeah, he's got a good imagination like me. Bashir is a fucking creeper, so he imagines a Dax that will fuck him. Uh, let's refer to her as Sex Dax, please. Sex. That's how I have referred to her in my notes. Sex I just Dax. don't want it to be confused. Right. Uh, I don't know, some other people imagine, like, fire and all the typical shit. So anyway, they, what they imagine becomes real. So, there you go. There's an ostrich in there, or an emu or something. Who cares? 
Um, um, yes. Also, there's a space-time rupture. Oh, yeah. They all imagine the space-time rupture. It's a collective hallucination. And it's going to destroy Bajor. Yeah, until they until Cisco almost out of nowhere, and we'll get into this. Just like, yes. no, it's fake, guys, it's fake. And then and it goes away, and everyone, everyone... Yep. Again, they ran out of episode, and they went, oh, we just have to solve this. So... It's, it's, it's troubling. What did you have on a take for this mofo? All right, here it is, son. Imagination is wonderful. It's <laughs> a good one. That is a, I'm sorry. That feels like a textbook one, but I don't know what you gave it. <laughs> I mean, I gave it two, okay. because I don't disagree. <laughs> it's right. It's just... It's just not anything. Imagination it's is like, wonderful. It's true. These aliens yeah. have... We have traveled all around the galaxy, and we have never before met a species like you who was can it, imagine things. Was the alien, was the alien so Barash? A, it's Barash. A, fuck you, Barash. Yep. Uh, B, really? And uh, and C, if, if the take... Well, well, okay. What did you have? Maybe you, maybe you found, maybe you dug for gold and found something in this had, shit pile. It's sort of a take on like nothing reveals humanity so well as the games it plays, but with daydreams instead of games. Because mm. this, uh, they're trying to figure out humanity through their dumb imaginations. So it's like, mm. um, you can tell how I feel about this by how declarative I am, which is not very. Yeah, something to do with aliens studying humanity by play acting as their imaginary friends, but I couldn't get anything stronger than that. I gave it a two. Uh, yeah, you know, Ben also gave it a two, and he <laughs> said that he hates to go back to this well, but weird shit in space. I mean, yeah, that is definitely what happens in the episode. He says, "I, I mean, I think they're trying to get us to think that it's about mastering our own thoughts and fears, but the effects of people's manifestations are so all over the place that it's just not clear what's up." Yeah, because some of the imaginations aren't, like, so bad. But some of them yeah, like, are fire. Buck Bukai wants to talk about baseball a little too much. Okay, that's fine. There are people like that in the real world. By the way, I got I kinda, I got into it a little bit. Oh, Buck Bukai is the best part of the episode, for like, sure. Oh, wait, they're talking like, baseball here. But also, it's like, oh, he's dumpy. I kind of like that. <laughs> he's like Tony Gwynn. It was nice. Like a dumpy little... He does not look like a shortstop. I guess they moved him over to third base at some point in his career. We, we can talk about that. We but. talked about it many times. There are certain players who made their fat work for him. Tony Gwynn yep. was one of them, and it looks like Buck Bakai was too. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's a little, he's a little dumpy. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, they didn't get a Rip guy. They brought this character actor in. <laughs> that's right. Oh, how great would it have been if it had just been Cal Ripken? If they'd imagined Cal Ripken <laughs> and Cal Ripken was on the show. Yeah, Cal Ripken could deliver all these lines. Of course he could. Well, at least as well as Dax. <laughs> well, okay. Would have been awesome. It's a fair point. Come on, think about it. What was this? Like 1994, 5? What, what is this? 3? Uh, what the hell uh, year is this? It's probably, probably 94. Shit. Cal Ripken's like right in the peak of his career, dude. It would have been a huge star turn. They yeah. would have got some viewers. Yeah, ah, I wish I could go back in time and make him cast Cal Ripken. The dog, he would have had to miss a game. Oh, well, maybe. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, if it wasn't shot off season, yeah, he would never have. Done yeah, this is just it's not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get Cal Ripken. Maybe they could have on got, a game day. They could have actually got Tony Gwynn. Oh, and then they could have imagined that in like 1997 he broke to, uh, DiMaggio's hit streak. Yep. How cool would that have been? Ah, oh, man. Would have been cooler. All right. Um. Execution, I, uh, here, here's what I got. What can I even say? We've done this plot 60 times by this point in Trek history. <laughs> and I think the writers know it. They don't even try to offer anything new or interesting. No. It's a bunch of the same old stuff. 
I imagine Kira imagines fire. Yeah. We saw that in the Naked Now. Some crewman imagines fire. Yeah. No, dog, that was where no one has gone before, but yes. That's what I meant. What did I say? Naked Now. Yeah. Um, where no one has gone before. Yeah. Uh, I could see how some of the Rumble Stillskin stuff like might have earned a chuckle the first time viewing this episode. Well, there's there is one line that I enjoyed, but is it? We'll get to that later. Yes, you know what it is. Oh well, is that he saves that guy's farm? Yes, what? Yes. Saves his crops from locusts. Yes. I, yes, also, exactly I also kind of like when he hit when he hit O'Brien and said, "Oh, great! Now everybody knows my name." And yeah, was it wasn't too bad. Really mad. He about was it. the worst performance in the show, by the way. Yeah, he wasn't good. Um, but until I saved his crop from locusts, <laughs> he's very impressed. was very was very good. He's impressed by his own work on that one. Um, not so great on the constant double Dax scenes. Uh, they look like you can see them sweating, like graphically, like the people making the show. You could see their efforts. Yes. There were not clean wipes at all. Uh, well, it's worse than when the two Kirks were performing at the same time. Let's put it that way. It is worse. And how was that Where possible? they didn't even attempt to show them on the screen at the same time most of the time. And they're just like, we'll just cut back and forth. That was better. Uh, another weird anomaly, which doesn't turn out to be real, or disease, or whatever, etc. on DS9. Considering how little travel they do, they seem to have a lot of zany adventures that yeah, visit The Bajor system sucks! Why not? This some... shit doesn't keep happening at the Earth system. Why not keep, like, why not do some cool Old West stuff, or political intrigue, or like, I know this is crazy, but some character work? Like, yeah. it's crazy how every episode is just weird shit happened on the station again! Um... But in the end, it's ding-dang aliens. It's, it's dang old aliens. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. We've never seen anybody observe humanity before. Uh, <sighs> it's, it's a three. It's a three in execution, and it sort of feels generous. Um, look, I gave, it a, I gave it a four. And I had many of the same thoughts that you did. I just I chose to express them differently. I said, uh, where no one has gone before did it better. Yep. Parent Trap did it better. <laughs> yes, that's true. Field of Dreams did it better. Uh-huh, 100%. Liaisons did it better. Which one's that? That's, uh... Shit. I have to look it up. Uh, what do I mean oops. by say that? Say oops. Oops? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that like an episode? Yeah, it's an episode of The Next Generation. Oh, um... Oh, that's, um... The one where... Picard. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Love Me. Yeah. It's the one where the aliens turn out that they're secretly studying humans by pretending to be other people. Yeah, they're observing humanity by being jerks. Yeah, yeah. so that was when we saw this, the we saw the scene of the three hallucinations in a room, and one of them's like, I don't know, I think I'm getting somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Encounter at Farpoint did it better. Yes. Um, with the uh, revelation that... Uh, <sighs> When Riker shows up and he's like, I don't think Q did anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, like yeah. when Cisco's sudden turn at the end, except Riker has seen some things and has some evidence for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the ending is so dumb. Just, just They're all freaking out about this anomaly. And Cisco just, like, puts it all together and goes, yeah. wait a minute, when did we start, first start having this problems with this anomaly? It was after our imaginations started to go wild, so it's clearly fake. And everyone just like, yeah, I guess it's fake. And then the episode's over, and you go, all right. And then she's like, I bet those readings look normal, don't they? And yeah, yeah, they're normal. Okay, fuck you. Good job, Cisco. Um, Good detective work that you didn't show us. Show your work. These guys have never seen imagination before. 
Yeah, dude. Out of all the places they went, DS9 the was the rest of the place. universe sucks. They were in the Delta Quadrant, theoretically, right? Isn't that what where they're from? Uh, that would be the Gamma Quadrant. Oh, that's sorry, where the Gamma Quadrant. That's where the wormhole connects to. They <laughs> yeah. came from there last, yeah. yeah. I guess no one in the Dominion has imagination. <laughs> Take that. That's the that's the strongest critique yet of the Dominion. Or I mean Kyle Paco's on that planet where everyone keeps dying all the time. I guess that doesn't count. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh super hack that Odo starts out the episode by saying fantasy is overrated. Like uh, yeah. oh I get it. You wrote the you wrote the uh you wrote the cold open last. That's fun. Yeah. And he thought, oh, it's just tied all together by having a guy say something that nobody believes in real life. Do you suppose the original opening before that cold open that they wrote at the end of the episode was gonna be Bashir waking up from his fully clothed nap with no blankets on? Yeah, probably. <laughs> with sex decks. With sex decks. Yeah. Uh, I've, again, very unclear what suddenly prompted Cisco to realize that the rupture was imagined. Yep. Uh, I mean, like, startlingly, just sudden. I'm gonna You're watching the red... episode and you go, wait, what? Did I miss something? Oh. And you go back, you didn't miss anything. I'm going to borrow our Red Letter Media theory, uh, which is that he read the script. <laughs> oh, he read the it's script. It's just that a copy of the script shook out of somebody's pocket and he, he peeked ahead. Yep. And that's why he knows. Agreed. Um, world building. Hmm. I did a, I mean, there's some stuff. Okay, go for it. Uh, Buck Bakai. He's, yep, he's a guy. Uh, Odo has no sense of smell. Oh, I missed that. Okay. A star system being destroyed by a weird space rupture a hundred years ago? Apparently not a very big deal. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they, everyone treats that like it's very normal. Just yeah, like, it's like uh, it's they're trivia. a member of a dying race, etc. Right, right. Uh, again, imagination shaping reality is one of the cornerstones of Star Trek. Yeah. That's just how the universe works now. Well, it seems I know like... You, I know you did not like that, no. and I... I should force you to go back and give more world building points to where no one has gone before because your contention at the time was that that would never come up again. Well, okay, here's what I'm saying. They'll never go to that place again. And in that, no, they're never going there. And in that sure. place, that just happens there. But but it, it is the foundation for Wesley Crusher's magic. But when it keeps coming up, it seems like aliens show up who have the power to make it happen. Yeah, that's true. It's not like they, just by themselves, are able to do that, to just think a thing um, and make it happen. Uh, but world building takes a big hit for me because uh, nobody feels the need to consult with either Bajor or the Federation before taking an action that risks the existence of the entire star system. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Like, they're just going to shoot some torpedoes at the fucking anomaly. And if it goes wrong, it's going to eat the whole system. And they don't they don't talk to anybody about it. Here's what I had for that. They just, I mean, they just straight don't talk to anybody about for it. For that specific point, here's what I had. You know how in Babylon 5, <laughs> I know it isn't fair to compare the two, they meet that probe that threatens their deaths unless they answer all the science questions correctly? Yes. And Dr. Stims Franklin calls Earth for guidance? Yes. And he's yelling at the people in Earth because they can't get the questions fast enough? But he's like, Correct. he's deep in it with people on Earth? How come nobody ever calls Starfleet's best scientists when they're up against a crazy stellar rift or bizarre phenomenon? How come... How come O'Brien Wikipediaing the last time something like this happened and making some shit up on the fly is what happens? There is only one possible exp explanation for this, and it is a made-up explanation by me. It is not. <laughs> it's it's not consistent in, enough in universe to be anything like canonical. Yeah. Uh subspace radio takes a long time. 
Yeah, you're right. We see it occasionally, but most of the time, for plot convenience reasons, it's instantaneous. That's what I was going to say. You're right. It is not consistent enough to be able to call that a thing. It would explain a lot of the uh, cowboy behavior of these guys, which is, it's, and and again, we've seen it once already. It's going to take a day for them to get this message, mm-hmm. and another day for it to come back, so. You're right. It's just not consistent. Sometimes, like in The Defector, Picard calls Earth, and he gets a delayed message back that says, I don't know, you figure it out which is a cop-out, then you didn't even need to have that scene. But at least you chose the delay in subspace. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are episodes like that where that happens. But then, like you said, a ton of episodes where they just call they call up Earth and someone on Earth answers and they're talking live and you just go, what? Okay. Anyway, that definitely doesn't apply uh, to calling Bajor. So <laughs> That's right. Uh, that is a big world-building fly. I only gave it two points for world-building. All right. I got a Benarium Hawk. Probably not crucial. Um, uh, it's a character from Star Wars. Go ahead. <laughs> Standard Star Trek trick. Uh, two historical baseball players and then a fake one to show you what came after. I like that trick, though. Tris Speaker, Ted Williams, Buck Buckeye. I like it better than if it was just three baseball players from the from before Star Trek was filmed. Well, certainly for the sake of world building, it's better. Yes. Um, if it wasn't entirely explicit what Quark does with the holodeck by now, and I think it was... <laughs> It's clear now. Odo just straight calls them sexual hollow programs. So, yes. there you go. Uh, there's a Gunji Jackdaw. That's another. That's uh, an emu. That's uh, an emu. You're talking about the emu? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, and all androgynous creatures. Yes. Is the announcement that's made. It's uh, trying to be inclusive, but we wouldn't use the word androgynous for that now. That is correct. Uh, but it was the 90s. I found myself really getting into the stuff Buck Bakai and Cisco were arguing about, like his yeah, his lefty obviously. his lefty righty splits. Yes, moving around in the lineup. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, listen. Actually, this could be a positive thing. In the future, they have abandoned sabermetrics. Oh, they apparently they abandoned baseball. Well, that's true. Which too. made it easy. <laughs> but they're not having an argument about, about his warp or wins warp. versus replacement or whatever. Yeah, right. Is that a real one? Yep. Wins against wins over wins over replacement or wins, wins against replacement wins against replacement something, something like, like that, that. yeah uh yeah there's no none of that shit there's no babip right or um eat fucking fip fielding independent pitching none of that stuff yeah that did yeah. not appear in the episode uh but even the uh, wistful take on baseball's diminishing popularity and its place in history I enjoyed yeah it's you very, do learn it, that baseball died. It's very sad to hear that there were literally 300 people in the stands at the last World Series. That's worse than an A's game. And I, here's That's worse than a San Jose State Spartans football game. Here's what I'm saying. The way they talked about that was more emotionally impactful than anything else that happened in the episode. Uh, well, yeah, there's not much uh, There's not much emotion to be had otherwise. I mean, O'Brien's supposed to be worried about his kid, I guess. Who, but ca- like, yeah, like, who cares? Like, he also knows this ain't real. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien said a bunch of stuff about the last time they faced something like this and what the Vulcans did to fix it, but I couldn't stay focused. It was very, it was bad. It was worse than anything Jordy says in The Next Generation. Really. <laughs> At the time, I found myself wondering why Kira hadn't imagined anything yet, but then right after that, she imagined some fire, so it was cool. Yeah, her big fantasy is as a fiery death. <laughs> <laughs> she might still bummer. be working through some stuff. Yeah. Uh, then I, I take about B5, uh, and then in the end, the end turns out they're, they're Gamma Quadrant Aliens. So that's what I had for world building. It earned as high as a four, and really it was just for the baseball stuff. It's just because you liked hearing all that baseball talk. I just felt like the way the two actors were yeah, working, they... like that was actually an effective piece of the episode, but it wasn't about anything. 
was like they gave them something understandable to engage with and not just techno what if there's a subspace anomaly and we right. fired fucking tachyon torpedoes at it or something and then they're, <laughs> they're like, just yeah. making it up and the, they don't know their lines and they're just reading it off the palm of their hands like denise richards in that bond movie and <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's not a great um what do you what do you do for a characterization how do you feel about this piece of shit episode uh i gave it a four okay i mean they gave them a little bit of room to do character worth work here because nothing nothing matters and nothing happens so yeah. that's all there was uh, uh, Julian in the beginning uh, has uh, he has less game than Safeway Hootie. Oh boy, he's rough. He's both the Jordy and the Barkley of this show. <laughs> yep, yes he is. Uh, Dog Keiko's back. Oh, do you want to know what I had for that? Yeah. Okay. Is this in your quick hitters? Or yeah, I had it in quick hitters. <laughs> oh shit, son! Empress Keiko was returned. That's right. Run for your lives, for the days of thunder and fire have arrived. Babies will be born scaled and shrunken, and animals will bay and howl in the light of sun and moon. <laughs> Planets will collide and stars will dull. Bow to the subduer of all natural forces and resign your futures. The only course left to you is despair. So you had fun. Keiko's back. Um, she I'm surprised Cisco didn't Mars. mention it in a log entry. It's fucking bonkers that they mentioned that six episodes in a row that she was not on the show anymore. Um, then she goes back talking, and no one says anything. Ugh, go on. We're still talking about characterization. Um, Real Dax seems less alive than Sex Dax. That, that's a fact. Real Dax has had problems showing any kind of emotion. I don't feel good about that. No. Uh, Quark's two previously explored passions. Sex slavery and avarice <laughs> are in conflict here. I know he has such a problem. That's a real because dilemma. Those imaginary sex slaves of his are distracting him from the fact that he is losing money. It's tough. He had the biggest um, conflict in the whole episode, for sure. Cisco says outright that he would rather be at the pathetic Last World series than in command here at Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. So when Kirk says that, it's a big surprise. Like when Kirk's like, "Oh, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore." When yeah, Cisco says it, you go, "Uh huh." It's consistent characterization out of him. I gave yeah. it four points for characterization. I also gave it a four. We we seem to be in lockstep on characterization, at least. Um, More or less, yeah. Standard Odo and Quark interplay to set up the themes of the episode in the teaser. Yep, Quark's. It's almost like. They, one of them turned to the other one and said, what's this one going to be about? <laughs> You'll find out! And they point right at the camera. Um, Quark still feels like the most natural and realized character. Though. Yep. 100% Every, we'll get to that in our actor rankings. In a minute. <laughs> Every week we say the same thing. It's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Nothing was added to his character this week, and yet his no. character is still the best character. In terms but it's, of he's, he's still playing the same character he's been playing all along, and it still feels the most like a person. Even though it's a horrible person. Feels like a devil person. Yeah. Uh, Dax is back to not having a personality at all after briefly showing like the tiniest sign of life in her two lines last episode. Um, Bashir is also back to being completely gross. I'm sorry. It, it, uh, are you talking about what she uh, kind of has a thing for Morn? Dude, she kind of smiled a little bit. She okay. said a funny thing about how she has a thing for Morn, and then she okay. was off the rest of the episode. All right, and that's the best you could hope for in season one. So let's let's rank it. Let's rank it now. Oh, okay. Uh, of the Daxes, we have um, real Dax. Yeah. 
We have sex Dax. Sure. And we have Mourn Dax. Oh, okay. How, how do they rate? Well, I think you know real Dax is on the bottom. Uh, bottom then sure. it's just a matter of whether Sex Dax beats Mourn Dax. And I don't know, we saw so much more of Sex Dax. I, we I, saw a lot, we get to see a lot of Sex Dax. Um, maybe Sex Dax. Maybe Sex Dax was the number one Dax so far. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, what about Crewman Dax? Where does he fit in? Uh, his feet are weird and I don't like it. I don't like him either. Still above real Dax, though. I also don't like that that means he just walks around barefoot. They don't make special shoes for him? Yeah, what his planet did never they never came up with shoes and Starfleet didn't come up with Yeah, it's dumb. Just put each of his feet in a Crown Royal bag. That's Star Trek 6 everybody. Star Trek 6 the movie. <laughs> uh okay, so Bashir's back to being really gross. Yeah, he's he's straight up nasty in this one. Also continues to be by far the least able actor on the show. I mean kind of his makeup I don't, his... I don't have a... I don't have him ranked high. His makeout scene with Dax made me hella cringe. I mean, yeah. for many reasons. It's bad. Um, I guess having a British accent isn't a qualification in its own right, it turns out. Like, as yeah. an actor. Yeah. Um, they should have done more casting work. It might be to his credit that Bashir is not bothered by Dax's complicated gender history, but it might just be because he's crazy horny. Yeah, he might just be a dirty boy. <laughs> And then he says this great line. She has a sense of humor, as I always imagined you do. That's some good romancing. And it's... He always uses the best words. That floods her basement, for sure. Yeah. Um, His fantasy Dax calls him the best doctor in the galaxy. Yes. Also, his fantasy Dax is dumb. Why do the writers want us to hate him? We've talked about this many times, but why is it This is what they're shooting for, right? We're supposed to hate this guy. But why do you want one of your characters to be so loathed that anytime he comes on the screen, the audience goes, "Oh, can we let's watch something else?" I think yeah. there's an right. I think there's an Orioles game on. Oh, I hope he's here to shout medical nonsense. It's just bizarre. Uh, O'Brien, not a fan of his figment, whom he keeps calling figment. Um. Cisco figures it out and is mad satisfied with himself. Oh yeah, he has a Riker grin. Oh, as sure. he calms everybody down and heads back to his office to chat with Buck Bakai again. That's all I had. I gave it a four as well, like you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, ben thinks it's weird that changelings don't have a sense of smell because Odo always looks like he smells something bad. It's true. Uh, as he points out, the thoughts and dreams thing has been done 120 times already. Yeah, I, I mean, when is it enough? Like, when... When can when can we see it's, something new? It's a real good question. When can we see when is it enough? When is a new thing going to show up on my TV screen <laughs> is what I want to know. Ugh. Uh, he actually gives Bashir points for being ashamed of his uh, sex fantasy. That's yeah, true. He does, he does seem pretty embarrassed. Well, it's like the worst case scenario, right? It's very bad. I mean... But, it's extremely bad. It's 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 everybody walking into Barkley's weird yes. three musketeers jerk off fantasy. I have some like, quick hitters. Boy, that two Dax stuff is a real nightmare scenario. Like somebody walking in on your holodeck fantasy of your coworkers. If that walk, if that could ever happen, you just walk right out the airlock. Yeah. You like, go, well, I uh, I guess you guys saw everything that happened in there, so I will. If you'll excuse me, I have to go replicate and inject poison. <laughs> That's right. Gotta go take my. My flotazine tablet. I I know all the good poisons. <laughs> isn't that what isn't that what the defector takes? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
he definitely takes a chewable Pepto-Bismol and then dies. <laughs> well, they're allergic. That's what you find out about the Romulans. That's world building. <clears throat> Sorry. Go on with uh, Ben's Ben's comments. Oh no, I mean that's that's the the gist of things. Is you know he gave he gave he gave Bishop credit for being embarrassed when the most embarrassing situation possible occurs. <laughs> Let me do the rest of my quick hitters here then. Yeah. Everything about this episode makes it clear that we've taken a step back this week. Yeah. Back to shit. It's not progress. One. That's for sure. Yeah. It's um. What comes after progress on that record? Mm. Yeah. U.S. forces? Uh, no. I mean, could be. Hold on. I don't actually remember. Spe- is that species? That's species diseases. This is Midnight Oil, um, EP or whatever. Uh, Hercules is next. Uh, mm-hmm. Hercules is a better song than Progress. Yeah, but Blossom But and anyway, this is Hercules. Right, okay. Blossom and Blood's good. Pictures <laughs> is the worst one on that EP. Not a fan of it. Um, I like how those security guys waited for O'Brien's signal to try to grab Rumpelstiltskin. Is he uh, their yeah, boss? For sure. Uh, it's uh, He shouldn't be, but I guess. I mean, in terms of his position, probably. Because he straight up points at him, and then they lunge at him, and he disappears. Um, is Bashir in his quarters when he's having that sexy wake-up dream? Because, again, I mean, he's in maybe. full uniform on a or bed. Or he's just, just taking a nap in sick bay. Could be. <laughs> he's in full uniform on a bed, asleep, with no blankets or anything, but, like, rubbing his nips all up and everything. Yeah, it's very bad. <laughs> It's a very bad way to sleep. Uh, and then I said, oh, great, where no where no one has gone before part three. Yeah. But it's probably part 50 or something. Um, yeah, Kira with the standard fire dream. Uh, do you suppose Colmini is happy with his choice to stick it out with the whole Star Trek thing at this point in his career? I don't know, but can I tell you something disturbing? Mm. Do you know his name is pronounced Colum? I've heard people say that, and I didn't know whether or not they were being dumb. Okay. Um, I don't know, because this can't be what he imagined, right? Because I've seen him like, in actual hey, movies. You're getting promoted to be a series regular. Like, hey, we liked you so much on TNG. Yeah. We're moving you over. You're going to be one of the anchors of this show that brings people into it. But even when he was on <sighs> TNG, I could never figure it out. To show up every once in a while and have two lines? He was getting real movie roles. Yeah, I that's could, true. I could, does he just love Star Trek? I couldn't ever figure it out yeah and then he gets to this show and he's 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 mistreated he's mistreated he's he's mistreated and they took likable old smiley and they made him kind of a real curmudgeon that's right on the enterprise he was the everyman that you'd want to get a drink with in 10 forward and this one he's like the grumpy old dude that you want to avoid at all costs yeah uh, he's going to bitch about his job. He's going to bitch about the job that he agreed to do, everybody. <laughs> yeah, cause don't, don't, don't go to the replomat with him. Why did he, just, so just why did he keep coming back for more of this garbage, I guess, is my main that's question. That's a very good question. Uh, that's what I had for the quick hits. I have a couple of things. I have a couple of things. Um, O'Brien's reading to Molly in the beginning. If a Kindle beeped every time you went to the next page, you'd throw it into the street. <laughs> You would well. You'd look for like an hour on the settings, thinking you must be overlooking it. Like I know yes. it's in these settings somewhere to turn that off. They wouldn't <laughs> not must, put it in there. there you'd go must through to be away. You'd go through each sub menu like fifteen times, sure that you're just not reading something right. It's I there has to be a way to stop it from making that chirp when I get to the next page. And then you would these are children's books. <laughs> you say two sentences and you go to the next page. And then you would definitely go to Amazon and give the product a one star review, and then you would yeah. throw it in the street. 
um they treated us uh to a seven minute cold open in this one which i think is too long yep uh bashir's boots zip up the outside which everyone knows is the stupid way Hard to do. <laughs> yep inside zip guys uh buck seems to be from the baseball is retarded school of philosophy yeah, the jason giambi school the jason giambi school of yeah. philosophy yeah he doesn't seem like he's a baseball intellectual in any way no uh, a farmer from Derry once tried to chase me away until I saved his crops from locusts. I forgot the farmer was from Derry. He's from Derry. Oh, by the way, is Rumpelstiltskin Irish? I don't know. I mean, I don't know yeah. whether he's supposed to be in in the real story or or in this. I don't know. Uh, Curious Fantasies of Fiery Death we talked about. Jake appears to be doing dinosaur homework. Well, you know, based on what is on his pad. He's a big boy now. I'm trying to do my dinosaur homework. I don't have time to go play catch. Jake's a big boy. He's wearing his big boy pajamas. And he, he likes to learn about dinosaurs. <clears throat> uh, and finally, uh, immediately after the show ended and the cameras went away, O'Brien O'Brien's in a lot of trouble, right? For not immediately telling Rumpelstiltskin he couldn't have Molly. Because he, he sort of hesitates. That's right. Empress Keiko's going to be pissed. Keiko's standing right there. Yeah. Like, it's a bad night when they get back there. For sure. Yes. She's going to be like, hey, what was that? They and all... he's going to say, what? And she's going to say, uh, when that, uh, when that gnome wanted my baby, you were like, yeah, if it'll make this stop. Sir, yeah, he's, I don't know. he straight up plays the role of the lady in Rumpelstiltskin, who's like, "Yeah, if, if you can, if you can fix my shit, I agree." Yeah, I got, I got problems. Yeah. So he's meh. into it. So uh, that's not going to be a good night in the O'Brien. They already quarters. don't have a problem showing us how much they argue and how much she hates it there. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, that is what I had, uh, Matt. It added up to uh, to twenty five. I gave it twelve, and you gave it thirteen. Oh boy. So 13 sucks, currently, but it feels strong compared to the others. It is currently tied with too short a season for the lead, and we have not discussed what to do in the event of a tie. Um, yeah, and what if it's a real shitty tie? <laughs> yes, I think we can quit the project. <laughs> that's right? it, I think that's it. It cancels out our will to do this. Um, I gave a Best Actor Award to this episode to uh, from Locust Rumpelstiltskin. Nice, and? And Worst Actor to Regular Dax. Yeah, she's not regular. quite pulling it off yet. Dax. Matthew, I have nine characters on my Deep Space Nine power ranking. Alright, let's hear it. Nine of them. Uh, so, in order, I have Quark. Uh-huh. Kira. Okay. That's not a good sign, but that's where I've got it. <laughs> yep. Odo. Yeah, all right. O'Brien. Okay. Nog. Nog, all right. Bashir. Bashir. Cisco. Cisco. For some reason, the first part of every one of those words got cut off. It's very strange. Oh, weird. Dax. Uh-huh. And finally, Jake. Jake's not good. It's true he's not good. And uh, I think we have a Garrett Wang situation here, where in this case, 
It's yeah. not because he doesn't have a lot of screen time, and it's not necessarily because of the writing. Yeah, no, that's true. It might just be because he's a he's dumb just kid. not there. He's a dumb kid. So those are the nine that I've identified. All right, Here and that's go. my order. Here we go. And again, I'm trying to compare this to what I think their role is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, a quark, sure. We've talked about it a lot. Yes. He's be weird one. if it wasn't him after everything we've said so far. Yeah. Um. I kind of feel like Columnini's number two. I just hate what his character is, but I don't think the problem is necessarily his acting. I think okay. it's just they wrote a bad character. Um, then I like. Then I like Kira. Then Odo. Then Nog. Because he's just supposed to play dumb kid. I think he plays that. Plays that fine, I guess. What do I got left? Cisco, Bashir, Dax, and Jake. Dax and Jake. All right. Cisco, Jake. Interesting. Okay, now do I go with the wooden nothingness of Dax, or the <laughs> in-your-face shittiness of Bashir? <laughs> oh, but it's really tough. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll give points for effort. So Bashir and then Dax. Dax is worst because I don't feel like she's even doing anything. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't feel like it's a hundred percent her fault. Yeah. Because they're, they're not giving her even lines, let alone meaningful <laughs> lines. Yes. But she also has not done anything with them. Yeah, I feel like as bad as Jake is, Bashir is, offends me so much with his acting performances. The guy who plays him, whatever, Alexander Siddick, whatever his name is. Okay, so here's where we are this week. Mm. We have a 23 and two twenty fives. It's not good. It's not good. It's so low and so even that at this point a rogue high score from one of us could win the week yeah this might be like i think it might end up as the one with the worst winning score so far it's entirely possible because again i didn't score these very well either um so it's kind of anybody's game between Mm -hmm. i mean voyager or enterprise could walk with this one on a mediocre episode Mm -hmm. so um, for Voyager, this week we watched Learning Curve. Oh, yeah. That's the best 10 seconds of this episode. I believe that's correct, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bioneural gel pack on Voyager has failed due to a virus. And the Maquis are up to no good again. Yeah. Alright, so in this episode... The ship's computer is having problems because the it uses a, a fancy part organic gel. And it, the gel has a virus. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Yeah, that's the B-plot. It's the B-plot. Yeah. The, the A-plot is the... Literally, exactly four Maquis are getting a little uppity. <laughs> it's true. That's the number they pick. She asks Chakotay to pick out, like, all of the Maquis who are causing trouble, and Tuvok will whip them into shape, and four and, show up in that in that and then, cargo yeah, bay. And, 
And Tuvok does a bunch of drill instructor shit. Straight, like, marine drill instructor nonsense. He does uniform inspections that don't make any sense based on anything we've seen in Star Trek so far. Uh Uh-huh. And he has them... Run. Run. Yeah, that's basically it. They run a lot. And do push-ups. Yes. (laughs) It's for real! They're like, this episode is about theoretically is about like getting along better with the Maquis, but uh, he doesn't make much of an effort. We'll talk about it. Well, before we get into it, Matthew, I, I have a serious question for you. Mm. Uh, good season finale or bad season finale? I know it was so crazy at the end when the next Netflix was like next episode, season two, episode one. And I went, wait a minute. Did I, did I miss some, some of the episodes don't appear on Netflix? That's weird. Yeah, no, no. This is the <laughs> this was the last episode of season one. Does not um, feel like a finale. I guess they had some production difficulties, and I don't know if that had to do with the fact that they were launching the UPN network um, uh, or what. But yeah. episode fifteen is the last episode of season one of Voyager, and it and like that's not a normal number, right? Like right, thirteen episodes would be if they were a mid season replacement, but they weren't. So. I didn't really dive into what their production difficulties were, but they had four more episodes in the can that didn't air until season two. So this was not intended at any point to be the season finale. And you can tell. This is a filler episode that you would put before some other episodes. But can... Like, I had already stopped watching the show by this point. I know. But can you imagine, like, well, see you in September. (laughs) I'm like, no, you're not going to see me. You ended on this? On the strength of this. I will definitely forget about this show in the summer. On the strength of jumpsuits and bad Air Jordans oh my god jogging through the decks on Voyager and I guess Tuvok learns a lesson like he needs to be more flexible alright well let's get into it then what's your take uh, different people respond better to different teaching styles okay. question mark so okay. that's not a lot of points I gave it three points okay uh, I mean yeah, it's true yeah. he has to learn how to get along better with the Maquis because his strict Drill instructor, drill instructor nonsense doesn't doesn't fly with them. It's so not Starfleet. Yeah, his drill instructor bullshit is the opposite of Starfleet. Well, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, something similar. So sometimes you just you have to meet halfway. Fun. Yeah, I, I gave well, out a four. Feels generous, but I gave it a four. Okay. You know, Tuvok can't expect these Maquis to do all the adjusting. He has to make some concessions as well. It's a real who cares, and it's not like yeah. this episode was likely to come out on the other side. You never make any compromise. That wasn't going to be the episode. So, yeah, pretty lame. Yeah, it's not great. How did it execute, since we usually zigzag like this? Uh, the Maquis are extremely unlikable on this show. Very much so. Unless, the main guy sucks. Unless they are Chakotay or Torres, all Maquis that have appeared on this show have sucked. Yeah. It makes it a little more difficult to see things from their point of view. Like, it starts off fine with the guy just doing his job, and then it causes an issue with Tuvok. And, but he's, like, immediately a dick, and yeah. remains so the rest of the episode. Yeah, he's not, like, he doesn't, he's not reasoned about it. Like, look, all these regulations really get in the way. Yeah, like I'm just trying to do my job, but, and these regulations are in the way. He's like, like "Fuck okay, you!" You're right. I'll do it. But I'll do it by the book next time. It's just you know, I'm I'm just used to fixing it. But no, he's he's in Tuvok's face. Yeah. Like he like says, nobody's business. He's like, "This is a Starfleet vessel," and he's like, "Yeah," and I regret it every day. And it's like, wait a minute, what does that even mean? Your show, your ship blew up. Yeah, 
Like uh, you want to be on crashed that your ship. You want to so. be on that ship? It's it's there's not any of it left now. So uh, so anyway, they're complete dicks. Uh, the rest of the, the the other Maquis are also shitty in their own ways. And um, yeah, I don't remember what the woman's problem is. Her headband, I think. She shouldn't wear that headband. We'll well, we'll talk about that. Also, Tuvok's dumb curriculum doesn't appear likely to accomplish his stated goals of one to bring the Maquis up to speed on Starfleet protocols. Nope. And two... Unless there's the protocol of running laps and standing <laughs> inspection, two things we've never seen anyone in Starfleet do. And two, which he later states, to make it a positive experience for everyone. Yep. He just tells everybody they suck and makes them run laps. Again, like a real drill sergeant. He just makes a fat bully and run laps. It's not... It's not fun. Overall, this episode was a boring waste of time. Like a true filler episode, the B-plot included. It was all... Uh, nothing. I gave yeah. it a four, and again, it feels generous. Yeah, what were you? I'm gonna knock that down to. I'm knock that down to a three. I think. Okay, you're just like you can't. You can't justify that, that four. That anymore. was not a four. Again, a uh, four is a bad score, and that was not a four. I mean, I also, I also gave it a three. Uh, I said lower decks did it. Yeah, actually, just about this good. <laughs> oh um, well, you'll find out when we get there in 25 years when we watch lower decks. That's right. And We've already talked about it eight times, but that's fine. And you're old and soft, and your old age, you're going to give it really good scores, I bet. I'd probably be nostalgic by that point. That's right. Um, why Why is the idea that different people respond better to different teaching styles, why would it be controversial? That's what I'm saying. By the time of Voyager. That's exactly why this well, is the weakest show. I, how can Starfleet Academy be this dumb pastiche of drill sergeant movies when we've seen the entrance exams? I know. Yeah, it's some real new age shit, dude. I and mean, we'll see them. They're coming up pretty soon. Yeah, on TNG we'll see a little on bit. On TNG. And they're like solving engineering puzzles and they're taking these psychological tests about confronting their deepest fears. But apparently once you get in, it's just fucking running laps and... Watching Full Metal Jacket. That's right, yep. Tuvok was like, how, pulling some real fucking Louis Gossett Jr. shit. How can the dumb shit that Tuvok is doing be the logical follow-up to the entrance exams that we see Wesley and that... Yeah. And, uh, Mordok and, uh... Yeah, dude, and the Vulcan chick and the, and the Vulcan other chick, chick. And the... Uh, temporary love interest? I don't know what her yeah. deal is. Yeah, we'll get again. We'll get to it. It just um, that episode was made first. I know we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and that episode was made when Gene Roddenberry was still alive. Yeah, and it sort of makes sense that that's what that that's part of the Starfleet entrance exams. Yes, and whoever wrote this had not seen that is the standard Star yes. Trek problem. And then they're like, "Well, Starfleet Academy is probably like a boot camp. dumb boot camp." Yeah. But, like, not even a real boot camp. Nope. Just the dumbest parts of what you've seen about boot camp. Uh, I saw Major Pain. <laughs> this, it's like Major Pain. Yeah. I think. Again, it's like Tuvok is supposed to be, like, so inflexible, I guess, is what this episode's about. But, like, how did he even get to this point in the first place? Like, why is that the curriculum? That's the question. Why is that the curriculum that he can't yeah. let go of? Uh, and then also, how can they possibly have a regulation against headbands? Yeah, we've seen, like, everyone in the galaxy... Wearing everything. On their Wait. heads and about their heads. Once you've seen Counselor Troy. Yeah. 
like, what can the uniform regulation... Like, we get it. Picard doesn't care. Picard's very touchy-feely. And by the way, later, well, no, he doesn't care because he invents, uh, he invents his little excursion jacket uniform. Mm-hmm. And we will be reminded that he doesn't care when Jellico shows up and makes her wear yes. a uniform. Uh, but like, uh, hey guys, by this point, we've seen Ensign Rowe wear a red headband. I know, like, almost that exact headband, really. Like, I think it's the Ensign Rowe model of headband. <laughs> That's right, she got the, she got the Rowe! It's hot on the street right now, and and definitely, if you had a Maquis crew aboard, you you would you would relax the earring regulation. Yeah, because there's going to be some Bajorans in there. Like, is this is this regulation? Is it an OSHA regulation? Are they like that earring is going to get oh, yeah. caught on something? Going to get yanked out. It's going to it's going to tear your your dang old earlobe. That's right. You're gonna gotta go to sick bay. We got a dang holiday hologram doctor, and he's got a bad he's got a bad disposition. So you don't want to be in there. So no no earrings. Uh, so anyway, the A-plot isn't Star Trek, and it doesn't even want to be Star Trek, and it's not trying to be Star Trek. So um, I gave it three points. Nice. That feels generous, but still. <laughs> we both absolutely crushed it, but still managed to give it a few points. Um, world building. World any, building. Any, anything yeah. you got in there? Sure. Uh, bioneural gel packs are susceptible to infection. Yep. That's not that great. That's fine, whatever. And but they're it... in limited supply. That's the literally the only interesting thing about them. It's not important, is, except that it gives them a B-plot. It's a supply problem for them. Yeah. Uh, we saw a little bit about humans living on the Bajoran frontier. That could have been interesting if it was ever addressed. Like, I guess that's part of the Maquis. Yeah. So maybe we'll get to it in Deep Space Nine? We'll get to it sooner in DS9, obviously, than we will in Next Generation, because that's only yeah. in Season 7 of TNG. Um, whoops, though, fevers don't work that way. <laughs> Which part? I, did, I don't even remember. Uh, your body doesn't get a fever and then get so hot that the bacteria die. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, kept, I, again, was wondering if I missed something. Because I, I, I kind of wasn't paying attention because it was so bad, and they're like, all right, it's hot enough, I think we're killing it. Because they're, they're like, your body can't respond the way, or the gel packs can't respond the way your body responds to an infection. And Janeway goes, a fever. And then they make the ship 180 degrees. Yeah, and I was sitting there going, I don't think, I don't think that's enough. I don't think, you, if you're going to make it hot to kill this stuff, you're going to have to make it, like, really super hot. Uh, yeah, no, they do. They make it, uh, they make it 360 Kelvin, uh, which is, is very hot. Okay. Uh, it's like... Well, anyway, anyway, they make it like literally 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Fun. But by the time they give the last temperature update, and humans, by the way, can survive that temperature yep. for brief periods of time. The Air Force did some fun experiments about it. <laughs> uh, it turns out that a human, a fully clothed human, can survive uh, brief temperatures in dry air of 500 degrees Fahrenheit. Ugh, that can't be fun, though. Yep, I'm glad I didn't have to participate in that test. Yeah. Uh. But anyway, um, that's 100% not how fevers work, so bad job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're done bad, and it's bad. Um, and then uh, here's a just a question while we're talking about world building. Will biofilters ever be mentioned in an episode where they are working properly? <laughs> or at least where they catch something. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm not sure they've ever malfunctioned once, but they have never caught a thing. Yeah, they just don't work good. I don't think they were designed well. But it must be one of those things, like, what happens to you when you go into the transporter, that it's better if you just don't think about. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Maybe that's another one of those fundamental questions we shouldn't yeah. ask. All right. Uh, I gave it three points for world building. Mm, here's what I got. Are Bolians talkative as a species stereotype? Yeah. This, this is obviously, we've already seen Mott the Barber. That's so. what I was going to say. First time in this project that we've run into so they, them. They do a real Star Wars thing here where he he's a bounty hunter like all Rodians. Yes. Yeah, first time we've run into one in this project, but by this point in Star Trek history, we've already met Moth the Barber, who is super talkative and annoys everybody. So you get this bully and he can't stop fucking running his mouth. And I'm just like, yeah, this is super Star Wars. Super Star Wars. It's real Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, so <coughs> Starfleet's first try with biocircuitry isn't going very well. They can get infections and shit. Uh, they have color-coded exercise outfits, even, that match their uniform yeah, colors. Yeah, yes, yes, they do. Tuvok calls his official log security log. So there you go yep. on that. Uh, Tuvok has a command simulator, which yes. is uh, very far-fetched. Well, Nine seconds into the uh, scenario, you're fighting like three Romulan warbirds or whatever. It's a rough simulation, and I, I was mad about it also, by the way. Like, yeah, they should have figured it out just to fucking take off. But also, like... You gave them a dumb scenario. This is a this is a dumb... Like, let's not jump right to Kobayashi Maru. Right. Can we not... Yeah, how about you give them one where, like, it's a problem you want them to solve? Like, these these four idiots are not even bridge officers. Can we start with, like... Can you just get some cargo to its destination? <laughs> yeah, I thought this was supposed to be about procedures. Like, it's exactly. just, like, ah, all right. I don't give a Circassian fig. Yeah. That, that's an expression. Yep. Um, that's, I gave out a four. <laughs> four points. <laughs> you are feeling generous. Maybe for the color-coded <laughs> exercise outfits. I don't know. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the characterization in this episode? Janeway is nervous in front of hollow children. And oh yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I could, I watched this so long ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, you finished I all your these episodes right away after the last one. I needed a break and even though I liked the last week, I think knowing what was coming up and just the amount of Star Trek we've consumed, I needed a break. I could not get right into it, but you finished them all. Yeah, so I watched this so long ago that I forgot that this started in part Can 2 holiday, of dude. Janeway's fucking victorian novel I couldn't believe it started on the holodeck again that's the thing i guess now now all of the voyager episodes start in the holodeck <clears throat> it's uh, you know what it's turning into is uh the cold open is just turning into the dr weird segment of aqua teen hunger Force. <laughs> that's exactly correct <laughs> gentlemen the um then she's basically absent from the rest of the episode like she talks a lot in it but she's not doing anything she's just trying yep. to solve the the B-plot, which doesn't matter to anybody. She is uh, not at all helpful to Tuvok in his struggles no. with the Maki. Tuvok taught at the Academy for 16 years, but all he could come up with was this dumb drill instructor stuff. He also threatens to break that dude's arm, which doesn't seem by the book. No, it kind of doesn't. Once again, Chakotay has been all in on Starfleet since day one of this show. Mm -hmm. He's going to punch a guy in the face now. We have talked about it a number of times that he was, I think, just regretting his decision and looking for a way back into Starfleet. And it magically yep. happened for him. He's like, oh my god, I bet if I crash this fucking ship. <laughs> I bet if I heroically crash this ship. I'm in. I'm fucking in. Because every time the Maquis try to go to him, he goes, shut up and do it Starfleet's way or I'll punch you in the face. He just loves Starfleet so much. Um, The doctor is working on a sense of humor. 
which is great. And he's kind of handsy with Kes. Puts his hands yeah. on her a few times. And I don't know if we're supposed to notice or if it's my <clears throat> evolved sensibilities, but I noticed. <laughs> yep. Neelix. That's probably why she ended up naked and screaming at her neighbor. <laughs> Neelix still calls Tuvok Mr. Vulcan. And he's taken on the happy bartender role this time instead of dark Neelix role, which we've had a few times recently. Yeah. Trying to solve everyone's personal problems and whatnot. I uh, give it a three. Okay. All right. It's, it's very consistent. Uh, it is your high score so far. In characterization? No, I'm, well. I gave it, a, uh, I, I gave DS9 a four, but did DS9 I down? DS9 got a four okay, in characterization. Right. No, I mean overall. I've already done the math on your side. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, boy. Um, so, uh, Tuvok, who I now believe is the second worst Vulcan character in Star Trek. <laughs> After T-Pole? After T-Pole. <laughs> can't figure out that he needs to treat Starfleet cadets and Maquis differently. Yeah. That's very bad. He doesn't seem bright. Um, Chakotay should be in trouble for punching that guy, right? I... Like, at least given a talking to. But first he said Maquis rules, so then you can just do Maquis stuff, right? Uh, is that how it works? You go, all right, for I five guess. seconds, Maki rules. And uh, uh, Janeway didn't really care about this little rehab project much. She just uh, gave it to Tuvok and walked away. Yeah, and almost like she gave it to Tuvok so he'd stop complaining. Kind of. Um, He's like, oh, the I guy was it. hella dis- disobedient, disrespectful. She's like, I'm so sick of this guy. All right, you get to take care of him. Bye. I gave it a two for characterization. So That's fair. Not great. Um, quick, quick hitters. I got a few. Go for it. Um, so the first thing I wrote was, uh, fuck this holodeck. Yeah. Why can't you even pretend the premise of the show is interesting on its own? Because it's not. Yes. <laughs> That's the yeah, but they can't even act. They can't they, pretend. They, they are telling you it's not. Yep. By going to the holodeck well every time. Yeah, I agree. It's every episode now. Dog, both of these child actors are better than anyone on the show but Janeway. Look what I said. I think this little boy was a better actor than the main cast. Yes. Um, <laughs> we are in agreement. This is what prompted me to start the actor power rankings. <laughs> was if the you, realization if you could, that if these two characters were recurring characters, I would have them higher than everyone on the show but maybe Janeway. That's what I was going to say. If you could, you would put them on top. That's right. <laughs> They're above all of them, yeah. and we'll I'll get we'll get to how I have the Voyager cast ranked in a minute. But like, where did they find these two kids? Because we've seen kids in Star Trek before, yeah, and they're not this good. What about Harry though? Because Harry wanted to make a dolphin. Harry wanted to make a dolphin, and he didn't like calculus so very much. Uh, frankly, Harry is better than most. All right, good. We, I think he's we better than. Well, he's better than Wesley. Than Clara and Isabella, he's better than Wesley. I mean, you see them act together, and you go, "Oh no, he's better than Alexander." Oh yes, yes he is. Um. Oh, anyway, let's not get into Harry. We'll have time Molly. to talk about Harry. He's later. better than Molly O'Brien when she eventually becomes vocal. The good and bad news is that that episode is coming up soon, so we'll get to talk yes. about Harry. Uh, it's, it's next week, isn't it? It, it might, might be next be, week. Yeah, it's next week. Um. But anyway, is is it just because they wanted English kids and they found some actual English actors? <laughs> like, what happened? It was obvious. That's the p- part that was painful. Was watching that uh, and just went, oh, these guys are better. It was shocking to me. I was like, oh my god, let's just watch more of these kids. Like, 
Yeah, it's okay if we stay in the holodeck. If the beep, if the plot we're going to have to deal with is this dumb Maquis shit, let's just... Yeah, but I don't want any Star Trek stuff. I just want more of these kids talking about their mother. Yeah. And, like, how Janeway's not their lost mom. Yeah, and how maybe the girl uh, still servant, sees her cetera. mom. And, but the, and the, the brother's protective of the sister. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, Chakotay is hella winded from throwing that one John Wayne punch. <laughs> He should be doing laps with that Bolian. <laughs> he should. He should recognize that in himself and volunteer himself for the program. Yeah, uh, I I imagine that what's happening there is uh, Beltran. Yep. Is uh, that is his angry acting? Oh, where he just like breathes really heavy. Yes. Yeah. I think that unless unless he is unless he really is winded from. I watched six ep- six seasons of Lost. And what I got out of that was that Matthew Fox, the main, the guy who plays the main character in the show, his only style of acting is breathing really heavy. Like, okay. he is in an adventure, and it is tiring. Maybe they have the same acting coach. That could be. I think his acting coach, I think Matthew Fox's acting coach is Robert Beltran. Uh, here's where I had it. Why are their training jumpers color-coded? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's, uh... But don't think I didn't recognize those division colors. I knew you would. Um, I, look, I'm good at livery. You love you, the, you love to look at the uniforms and and other similar things. Uh, oh, you should have mentioned this, but uh, Carnass has some weird little pins that I think are supposed to be like ribbons or medals oh. uh, on on his uniform that are kind of cool. You can find a close up of them on the internet. So basically, Carnass's whole setup was the best thing about like any of the shows. Yeah, kind of like I didn't write this down, but if they're not humans, why is he wearing, why is he wearing that uh, urban camo? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. Um. Uh, Dalby is unusually self-aware. Which like, one? Is he the main guy? He's the main guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Like they just put his motivations in his mouth. <laughs> yes. Like when he when he talks about all that brutal stuff that the Cardassians did. Then they killed her. To, uh, to his wife, like he's 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 too he's too self aware because of lazy writing. Yes, exactly. Then they raped and killed my wife, and then I wanted to kill every Cardassian I ever saw. And you're like, okay, I got it. And I protect the kid who doesn't talk. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. Uh. Man, why did I call him that? It seems like Tuvok could have just told Dolby he was going back for Daddy Garrett and saved himself a fight. <laughs> why did you call him that? Is his name Garrett? I don't know. Is that why? I thought he was Bajoran. Do they have that or name? Ga- or Gareth or something? I don't, I don't even know. remember the guy's <laughs> name. Anyway, the guy's passed out way up on the uh, yeah, catwalk. And Tuvok does not just go, no, I'm going to go and, back for him. And the guy's like, we can't leave him there. And Tuvok's not just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go get him, but go in the fucking pipe so we don't all die here. Yeah, yeah. Instead, they just have a, a dumb fight about it, and then he goes back up there. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, dumb. Uh, that Bolian? Yes. That Bolian had Ray Smuckles' King Chochacho amulet. <laughs> Is that what he was wearing when, when yeah, he was wants definitely to get wearing, rid of it? He was definitely wearing the amulet of the Aztec fun god, and that's why he's so talkative and friendly. That actually makes sense. There you go. It's continuity, he... it's just not with Star Star Trek. That's right. He has the amulet of King Chochacho. And it's Aquid continuity. Yeah. Uh, and I I love the '90s sneakers that they're wearing. Oh, they and are the endless running scenes. They're decked out for sure. 
uh, quick hitters. I know you must have had some. Yeah, so every single episode opens in the holodeck now. As long as they don't stay there, I'll take it, is what I said. I think the yeah. little boy's a better actor than the main cast. Why is Tuvok investigating power fluctuations on deck six? Yep. Shouldn't Kim or Torres be checking that shit out? De- I'm definitely one of those two, or uh, Lieutenant Carey. I think he's still alive. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. If he's still around, he could check it out. Why Tuvok? Um... That guy, again, that guy regrets that he's not on board the Maquis ship every day. The one that exploded. That seems rash. Also, they made him a major dick. Um, I think we're, I said, I think we're headed for an A-plot where Tuvok and the Maquis... Oh. All right, I was just explaining the plots. Um, okay. <sighs> Dang, she only gave Tuvok until the next duty shift to prepare a curriculum. Oh, shit, that's why all he can do is make him run. He only had time to watch Platoon. <laughs> she literally says, I want you in the cargo bay by the next duty shift. It was probably like saying like I had 1,500 hours and it was in one minute. Yeah. So he just went, oh, I don't know, run laps, I guess. Oh, uh, I had worst actor Dolby. Um, yeah, okay. That's incorrect. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. The worst actor in this episode was Harry Kim. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was in it. Yeah. He doesn't okay. have much business, but it's not good. <laughs> the Chakotay Punch was so obviously on the way when the guy said he wanted the Maki way back. Yep. They should have tried something new, like a titty twister. or like. I, I would have loved if he had fucking full-on stabbed him. That's <laughs> the Maki way? You like that? You killed Just him! put a knife right in his shoulder. But it's okay, because I said Maki rules for five seconds. Uh, or maybe like just like reaching down really carefully and squeezing his willy. <laughs> you know, something that would have been a surprise to the viewer would have been nice, rather than that obvious <laughs> punch in the face. It was very obvious. I had, this is like TNG's Lower Decks, but without series mainstay, Alyssa Ogawa. That's right. <laughs> who I won't hear anything bad about. Um, I know you had a crush on her ever since she became that monkey. Dude, when she, that was, that, with a little wispy beard she was born. I know that was kind of an awakening for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... I said, I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. That's right. And then it did. Um, they made the Maki out to be demented morons. Like, yes. <laughs> they thought it would mean a good score on his simulation to die in 30 seconds. Yeah. They thought they were actually really satisfied. They're like, what do you want well, us to do, run away? And then I had, this marks the end of season one. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was super crazy to discover. You're I, by the way, I discovered it the same way you did. Next up, season two, episode one, the 37s. And I'm like, wait, what? Man, I'm really confused about this. <laughs> this was not a finale. Man, how bad were the last 11 episodes of season one that they didn't even air them? <laughs> That's right. That's it, man. What, how's the score on this piece of shit? Uh, I gave it 11 points. That's not good. You gave it 14 points. It's a little better. Oh, so no. It's a fucking three-way tie. Oh, this is shaping for up. For 25 points. It's shaking up scary and bad right now. Um, I think it's fair to reveal that these three episodes are not going to win. Oh, you've already done the forward math. I I don't know what you have scored. Oh, you must have scored Enter- a decent, though. I don't know what you've scored, Enterprise, but I scored it high enough that I don't think you could have scored it. It would be your all-time lowest score. Let's put it that way. Lower than Move Along Home? If you scored it lower than the six points you gave Move Along Home, then maybe it's possible. But Wow. Uh, okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. But right now, it's a three-way tie uh, at 25 points. This is, a bit, this is a shit week. We warned this you. Was, this week was real bad. We warned you last time when we read the episodes that were coming up. Well, whatever 
whatever week 15 is, except that we know for Voyager it was like in June. Yeah. Uh, it's the opposite of sweeps, because <laughs> they fucking stuffed their dumpster episodes here. That is the fact. Uh, this week, we watched Shuttlepod 1. Shamika, Keisha, Tara, Shonda, Sabrina, Crystal, Dorana, Lisa, Felicia, Tanisha, Siobhan, Monica, Monique, Christina, Yolanda. Okay, I'm pretty sure he repeated many of those names, but every time he says Monique, I'm like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one right there. You hit it. Don't even say any more names. He knows a Monica and a Monique, uh, and he's going to let you know about Monique. Before we get into this, did you want to do an acting tears for the Voyager? Oh fuck yeah, for Voyager! Yeah, yeah let's let me, just jump we in. We should, it. we should do that. I was so I was so unexcited to rank them that I just not a lot of great performances. I uh, just forgot. I have got eleven actors. What? There's so many. It is a lot. I gotta keep track of this. Let me make a list. Uh, here. So at number one, I have Janeway. Okay. She's kind of been on a slide lately, but it's not like anyone's been picking up the slack. All right. I have the doctor at number two. Oh, this is not a good sign. Okay. Coming in hot at number three, Neelix. All right. right. Neelix. All right. Number four, Bolana Torres. Okay. Number five. Tom Paris. Oh no. Okay. Coming in at number five point one. <laughs> Seska. Fresca gets to be in this. She's dead. Or something. No, she, that's right. She's, she's not away. dead. She, she has absconded. Yeah, okay. She has absconded with the Kazon, yeah. and I suspect she'll return. I hope she was dead, but I guess she's not dead. I suspect that, based on things from Star Trek Online. Oh, okay. You've got spoilers. Um. Yeah, and just they would have killed her. Right, she wouldn't just go off the ship in the Delta Quadrant. I would think so. Like it feels like a setup for something. Yeah. Coming in at five point two, Carrie. I'm not sure if we'll see him again. I have no clue. There's no way to know. But he's not dead. Okay. He's not. He's not like that other lieutenant. Here's what I will taken. say. Even where we are now in Voyager, it we, you will need for them to have a lot of crew members because they're in the middle of nowhere and they can't get random transfers and stuff. Yeah. And you know they're going to run into shit where people die. And they're yes. just, they're going to need a lot of crew members, so I don't think they can ever really get rid of anybody. Yeah. Until they kill them. Coming in hot, that was 5.2, because I'm not sure if he's going to still be around. Yep. Coming in hot at number six, it's Tuvok. Tuvok. Definitely have not enjoyed him. Coming in at seven, we have Cass. Terrible actress. Had some moments early where she was going to be like, the doctor's a person, but kind of lately, nothing to do. Yeah. Uh, coming in hot at number eight, it's Chakote. Chakote. Nothing about Chakote. He apparently did not become a better actor in between that 80s movie in the zombie apocalypse that I saw one time on TV <laughs> and Voyager, because it was the exact same performance. And uh, in last place, I have Harry Kim. Harry Kim! And I've, I've just I've given him worst episode almost every week. It's, it's, it's quite fair. He can't do in pain, he can't do tired, he can't do his regular dialogue. He's a disaster. He's a disaster of a human being, actually. He should be ashamed. Those are my my hot 11 for Voyager. All right. Check out this shit right here. Janeway number one. Okay. That's not not a surprise. Not controversial. Let's go with... 
so here's where we run into the problem. So I, for me, I think Doctor Neelix and Tuvok, I have a lot of trouble differentiating bad performance from bad character. It's very it is, hard because I hate their characters. It is true the Doctor in, is written to be irritating and Neelix is written to be irritating slash a joke. Yes, and Tuvok is written to be nothing. As far as I can yes, tell. Yes, and he's delivering. Mission accomplished, right? So this is what I'm saying. It's really hard to parse, for me, as those three especially. But I do think that Neelix has shown some, so I'll put him there. Okay. And I think I think you're right that the Doctor isn't having an acting problem. He's having a character problem. I don't feel like it's been an acting problem for yeah, him. Yeah, he's acting the shitty character that they want him to be. Yeah. Um. And then I'll put shitty Tuvok. I'm not. I don't. Okay, so you've got him a lot higher than I. Yeah, have I hate him. his character. I have not enjoyed his performance, but it, it might be the character. I hate his character, but he at least he's playing a Vulcan like we like we came to know Vulcans. Vulcans. Like, it's not Tim Russ's fault that they wrote him to be the guy who sold the Enterprises whatever for the technology. Do you know what I mean? That was like, definitely a character problem. That was really bad, and that was a character problem. Uh, then I have Balana. She she doesn't strike me as being that bad an actress. It's no, her, she, she. Her character hasn't had much to do since episode two. I mean, she got to play against herself two weeks ago. Oh no, you're right. Ooh, mm, but and I don't. But I don't think she, I think that the bad part of that was that the story was racist and yes, not. It, was. it wasn't really that she did a bad job with it, frankly. Yeah. Um, I guess Fresca? If we're putting her on the list, I have her next. That's exactly where I have her. Um, then Carrie? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I get to include these nobodies. See, because now we're, this is worth the nothing point, and now we're getting into the bad actors. <laughs> now we're, yeah, now we're, these people are pretty aggressive with how bad they are. I get, I guess Tom Paris, but I'm not happy with his performance. I'm bad uh, me, news, Harry. No one wants to be around me. I'm the worst. For me, I have him where he is because I know that I hate his character. And I'm giving the actor some credit, I guess. Yeah, I guess Chakotay next. And then Kess and then Harry Kim. I'm really not satisfied at all with the actress who plays Kess. I think she's terrible. Yeah. I think she's terrible. She hasn't... There's, yeah, there hasn't been anything. The good news about this is uh, there are, are not so many characters in Enterprise, so we won't have to do 11. I think there are only three, right? <laughs> well, I have I have seven on my list. I can only ever remember three. I don't know. And uh, I have not yet... I don't have Shran on there yet, because we've only seen him twice, but... Yeah. He frankly... If what you're saying is true, he could appear on later versions of this goddamn list. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's what happened in this episode, Doc. Uh, oh, hold on. No. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. It hurts him to pick an Enterprise episode, as it hurts us all. Yeah, it does. But um, this, uh, this episode got lucky. It went up against real garbage. Yeah, so this is Ben's pick of the week. Here's what happened in this episode. Reed and Tucker are coming back from some mission, but their shuttle's all broken. And they can't communicate, and um, their warp engines are all broke. Did that thing ever have warp engines? I don't even remember. I don't believe it did. Okay. 
but their communications broke. They can't. T- they can't talk to anybody. They find debris from Enterprise on a little planetoid, and they assume the ship has been destroyed. So now, without warp speed and without communication, they're pretty sure they're going to die in there because it takes like forever to get around the vastness of space. So it's just them stuck in a stuck in the shuttle the rest of the time until oh, it turns out miraculously the ship was not blown up. It was just um, they they lost a. Uh, what was it, a shuttle door or something? Cargo bay door? What did they lose? Uh, yeah, it was one of the docking bay doors. Docking bay door flew off of the <coughs> goddamn thing. So, uh, but it's uh, it's a bottle episode. They crashed with another ship because of the same thing that disables the shuttle. Okay. Some kind yeah. of thing. Space thing. It's a bottle episode. Yeah. They're, they're facing death in the shuttle. Yeah. What did you have for the take on this bad boy? Um, like the Oakland A's, you gotta have hope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> gotta have hope. Never been able to find that commercial. You gotta uh, have... I've never been able to find that song. Without hope, life is meaningless. But despite having those lyrics... Without hope, life is meaningless and less. Despite having those lyrics, I've never been able to find that song on the internet. Ah, this is your London town. I've looked. <laughs> I can't find it. I wish I'd brought that up a couple weeks ago when we were talking about your London town episode. Yeah, your song. That's right. Still haven't found it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Still think about it. Go um, explain your take. So, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so Reed is very pessimistic. Mm-hmm. He's he says he's being pragmatic about it, but he is kind of being a morose asshole about the fact that they're going to die. Sure, save it for characterization. Well, what do you? <laughs> The f- yes. I'm excited because it's the first time we've seen anything out of Reed. <laughs> exactly. So, well, he likes pineapple. He likes pineapple. That's not yeah. It's not on the same level. Um whereas Tucker is like he's going to be a cheerful optimist about the whole thing and he's going to keep fighting till the last minute. Hmm. And he doesn't want to hear that they're going to die, etc., etc., etc. Are you going to tell me that the minute, twist in this episode is that they don't die? Yeah, they don't. Oh, they don't that's die. Too bad. Then for a minute it looks like uh Tucker's going to give up to uh, but then he he's swayed by Reed's new outlook on his one in a thousand chance. Yeah. So then they have hope, and also they are drinking. That's true. Anyway, it's um you know this is fundamentally this episode is only about sort of how you face death or impossible situations and the idea that you should. Uh, I gave it six points. Okay. I don't feel like I want to explain it, but that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I gave it a five, and I had almost the same thing. I, just, I, I said it the way Babylon 5 said it, which is that if you're falling off a mountain, you might as well try to fly. That's what Sheridan's uh, dad told that's him. What, that's what uh, Ron Howard's dad told him. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Ron Howard... One of the Howards. Oh my god, they're brothers. What do you mean? Sheridan and Ron Howard are brothers. Oh, that's true! Yeah, in the... They have the same dad. In the Altiverse, they and, are brothers. That means he's brothers with Baylock. That's true. The Altiverse is powerful. <laughs> just saying. Wow. So Sheridan and Baylock. Loki Blaylock. He could have used Baylock in this fight against the first ones. Oh, maybe he is one of the first ones. Well, Baylock probably was one of the first ones. Yeah, Mavanova went out to find him. This is pretty interesting stuff. Was there one that looked like a big molecule? Probably. Because Their that's what the Fasarius looks like. Uh, yeah, so I had the same thing. Reed and Trip's, I mean, that's what it's about. Reed and Tripp's personality clashes the whole episode. Um, kind of feels like a truism. Uh, 
like yeah sure no matter the value of being adequately prepared for death like it can't compare with the possibility of being saved so kind of a cold take but um uh, it is true that they sort of turn around after they already know that enterprise is alive is doing okay yeah it's it's more of a character show than a concept episode but it's fine i gave it a five so um Ben, thought, uh, this is an episode about family. In the harshness of space, your crew is your family. I mean, I guess you could say that, that they become closer. I mean, I guess it's true, but in that case, uh, Reed is sick. <laughs> He's a sicko. Yeah. That's he, his sister. Yeah, sex dreams about his fucking sister. And by the way, those were very hard to watch. Yeah, let's jump right into execution. I mean... Okay. Uh, it's not clear in the end why Trip gives up on his airlock plan, but one possible read is that he's swayed by Reed's new outlook on his one in a thousand chance. So that was good, in my opinion, but you showed me a sex dream, four out of ten. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this was a bottle episode, and focused on character work, which you just said. Uh, it's bad for Enterprise, though, because they're not good at character work. It's not their strength. They're not. They're not playing to a strength. That's for sure. They routinely get poor scores on that from us. Um, but the interplay between them was mostly okay, and yeah. um, neither of them has come up come off as terribly likable in any episode so far. And this wasn't really an exception. But um, uh, how did it do on the premise? Fine, I guess. They keep they keep trying to survive. And rather than pack it in and die like Reed wanted, they you know they they keep trying stuff and are saved. So that that tracks. Um, one positive: we join Enterprise's mission halfway through. Yes, but I like. We never see the aliens that they collided with, even though they're supposed to be on board the ship. They probably would have been bad, so it's fine we didn't see them. It's fine. But I like the depth they gave us when they were giving the backstory of the aliens whose ship crashed on the planetoid between Hoshi and and uh, Archer. Because it felt like a conversation human beings could might happen. actually yes. have, and Archer didn't look like he was particularly close to crying. That's right. So I liked that scene the best out of the episode, and they were not really in the episode. Yeah. Uh, I give it a five on execution. It was fine. Oh, yeah, there we are. I mean, we both have given it ten points through here, so it's it's already at 20. It's got it a good shot. 25. It it's only gotta, needs just over a, a point from each of us on the next four. It's got a pretty solid shot. Um, did you find any world building in here? You know, one good thing about Enterprise is that when they aren't flouting everything that came before so they can put their own spin on it, they can actually take advantage of and use the source material and mm-hmm. depict something um, like being stuck at impulse speed in deep space in a way that makes sense. Yes, so, I also gave them credit for that. All the because s- we ne- by the way, we never see that literally in Star Trek. Yeah, all the stuff... Impulse about- speed, is they just treat it like it's a slow warp speed. It doesn't make any sense. Right. All the stuff about how it will take them years to reach any other planets or stars or whatever gives you like a good idea of how vast space is and how empty the space between the stars is. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not worth continuity points, but I appreciated the respect for the impulse versus warp relationship we've seen messed up so many times. Yeah, it's just when we, we only ever talk about it when they get it wrong. Yeah, but they get it wrong most of the time. So there we go. The and one... By the way, I'm not talking about Enterprise. I'm talking about all oh, of yeah. Star Trek. All of I mean, we, they... we talked. We talked two weeks ago about why does it take a run about two hours to reach Bajor? Makes no sense at all. And in TOS, they're warp capable. In TOS, they hadn't really figured out what they were talking about yet, so it, it's kind of forgivable yeah. that they can't get it worked out. But 
by yeah jordy gets in the smallest shuttle pod to go to another entire system it doesn't like whatever yeah um the 602 club in mill valley uh good thing there's no holodeck because we'd have to see them go there every episode oh for sure uh but i doubt it's going to come up again the internet seems to think it's a myth that hair and nails grow after you die but yes, it is. I'll leave it's, it to any scientists listening to this to give us the straight dope. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not true. Travis and Hoshi wouldn't have been more than 24 or 25 years old, according to Trip. So that's something we know about them. Yeah, I had a question about that. Can Hoshi only be 25 years old? She's like an academic, right? This was also my question. She's like, I, he finds her fine. teaching. Travis doesn't even seem 25. He could be 18. I don't care. He could be 13 for all I care. Whatever. He's a, he grew up on a freighter, and now he pilots a ship. All that matters is he's a boomer, you mean. All that matters yes. is that he's a very sweet boy, and he's a boomer. Those are the only things that matter about him. That's true. Um, But yeah, you're right. They find her, like, she's, like, teaching language classes out in the middle of the jungle, which is weird. But, um... So is she a professor or is she just like someone they found to teach a class? Is she like a I don't guest know, it lecturer? Make sense. I don't know. I don't know. She, if she's a civilian, she should probably be like a warrant officer and this... not an ensign or whatever. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, her relationship to Starfleet is not well, not well explained. But I feel like twenty-five. Although the actress looks like she could be twenty-five, it doesn't really make sense for this character to be twenty-five. If she said she was thirty-five, that would be more believable. Yeah, and. I mean, it's just according to Trip. Maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. Who knows? Well, it's uh, by the way, I love that he doesn't know. <laughs> he didn't bother to figure it out. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, Trip carries micro detonators around with him on shuttle missions. But that does not seem safe. I guess I can't mock him for it now. Because it came. That's in, a good point. Came in handy. <laughs> um, bottle episodes won't be great for world building unless the characters reveal a lot of exposition, and that didn't happen here. I gave it a two. Um. Okay. Uh. I, I I couldn't have given it a score as low as a 2 just because they treated impulse speed sensibly. you got to give it major points for that. That's worth a lot. Here's what I had. Micro singularities? Yeah. I never really... I don't really... know if we'll ever see that again, but it's interesting. I wasn't really paying attention to what the cost I like was. the idea that they're a myth. <laughs> a oh. Vulcan myth. You know those... You know those Vulcans? Yes. Yeah, I covered that, I think, in uh, something else. <laughs> yes. Um, here we have them using regular dates instead of star dates. That's right. Um, I like that the shuttle has rations on it. Of course, the shuttle has emergency rations on it. That's good. It does not make sense that the captain has bourbon on there, but I imagine that's not part of the standard shuttle loadout, so I don't count that as world building. Okay. What about um, micro detonators? Is that part of the standard loadout? Uh, it seems unlikely, <laughs> but maybe. Uh, I I gave it a four for world building. Again, it is a bottle episode, and this is the. This is an area where Enterprise usually takes pains is to do some world building. They only did just a little bit here. You know what? I guess you're right. We but should... I, I like the micro... I mean, I like the uh, the impulse speeds. I think you're right. I think we should give them credit for doing a thing that's right. I think I'll... I'll, I'll give them a three. Okay. Because they did the right thing. Uh, characterization, what do you got? So, a bottle episode. Um, so, I have a question. Does T-Pole even care about science? Like, in this episode, she's interested in it, but she has not shown scientific curiosity previously. No, they specifically told us that Vulcans don't care about, like, science and exploration, which is just... <laughs> That's just not... doesn't make any it's sense. It's the opposite of the Vulcans that we know. <sighs> Maybe they don't care so much about exploration? 
So like, why would we ever look at a comet? Depth, depth to breadth. Yeah, but it's like, why would we look at a comet? It's like, I don't know to learn about it. And they're like, that's dumb. It's like, all it's right, like, I don't know. Fuck you. This comet's huge, and we're right here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that's, they're doing. It's very dumb. It's dumb and bad. But that's not this episode. And this episode, she cares about science, so I guess that's growth. Okay. Uh, Reed is pretty consistent with what we know about him from the pineapple episode. Uh, and even his attraction to an unavailable woman makes sense. So he can't let himself get close to people. Right, including his So parents. he's attracted to, to T-Pole. Right. Because uh, that ain't gonna happen. Right. It's not gonna happen in this. I can't... It cannot happen. I don't know what to tell you about things. It can't, it's not gonna happen, and it can't happen. Who can say what will happen in the aftertimes? I also found Tucker a lot less irritating in this episode, so I actually gave this episode six points for characterization. Yeah, I started off by saying, oh good, Reed and Tucker stuff, my fucking favorite. Um, they actually didn't shit the bed too bad, though, did they? No, Reed looks down on American rubes. He's <laughs> yep. also immediately a downer and an insubordinate prick. Uh, Reed goes hard on Judah's lay-down-in-the-road philosophy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Uh, and then I had... I mean, you don't have to be so talky about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did talk a little bit. Of, he didn't really just lay down. He felt the need to convince everyone to lay down, which is a lot of effort. Um, then I had, oh, cool, sex dreams about T-Pole. That's not great. Shit. It was not great. Shit is sexist. The whole scene made me very unhappy. Oh, and T-Pole's bum. Awesome. Yes. Yep. By the end, Reed is saying that it only takes cowardice to give up and die. I see what happened. He he learned to be more optimistic. Um, Tucker likes Superman, I think he said. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, Something like that. I, I never remember that Tucker's first name is Charles. I also did not remember. And Tucker, as opposed to Reed, goes hard on Sheridan's may-as-well-try-and-fly philosophy, as opposed right. to the lay, lay down in the road. Uh, and why not? I like that the I like that the your philosophy is anchored at two ends: one by Captain John Sheridan, and two by me. This is only the third or fourth time I brought up Babylon Five this week. <laughs> um, but when it might save Reed, he's also willing to end his own shit, so he comes off much better in this episode. Right? He's like, "I'm gonna kill oh, Tucker. My, I'm gonna kill myself yeah. so that you have more oxygen or whatever." <clears throat> yep. Um. But you're right, He's put, he is convinced not to by the threat of death. He's like, I'll shoot you, I have a gun. Yeah. It's that's... like, yeah, I'm gonna kill myself. You can't threaten to kill somebody to stop them from killing themselves. Anyway. Uh, Archer is now pulling the Vulcan trick and telling T-Pole about the science myths that Vulcans believe in. That's right. That's literally all I had for not, for not in the bottle. Um, yeah, I gave it a five. I'm going to do some of the math while you Quicks. talk about quick hitters. Um, oh, this is the one where time stops and they think the Enterprise is getting blasted by Romulans. That's <laughs> right. Time, time Scafe? Timescape? It's Time Scafe. Um, <laughs> by the way, they're really depending on people being hardcore fans of this very young and uneven show. All you see on the planetoid is a piece of debris that reads 01. Yeah. You'd need to remember that the registry is NX01, and I think that stuff really counts out casual viewers, which you'd think they'd be courting. Because it just goes, oh, no, they see a thing on the planet that says 01, and then scary music into the break. And you're like, mm. if you're just, like, turning it on, you're like, why is that scary? What does that mean? 
like ten episodes into TOS, did everybody already have one seven oh one memorized? Probably not, right? No, I would imagine not. You didn't you didn't see it so much, I think. And yeah. I don't think anyone has said it out loud yet in TOS. I'm just saying, like it's uh, it's a small thing, but I just, I think they're making it just for hardcore fans, and then they wonder why their viewership shrinks every time they make a new show. Anyway. Um why wouldn't mashed potatoes get sucked through those holes? Like I've had some damn They're real tiny, I guess. I've had yeah. some damn doughy mashed potatoes before, but they aren't like the consistency of gum or putty or some other MacGyver okay. shit. What if they're made out of those flakes and they didn't cook them enough? <laughs> so they're just solid. They're just solid pieces of um yeah, dehydrated potato or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, at one point there are holes in the I, shuttle and they fill them with mashed potatoes. Yeah, uh, I think they're they're like pinholes are smaller though. Yeah, and also, wouldn't the meatloaf be better for that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Pick something that seems more substantial, like that would be more cohesive. Anyway, uh, there was a very DS9 music fade out in this episode. Hmm. It had lots of beautiful French horns and stuff. Um, that's it. That's all I had. Uh, I, well, I guess I should just read mine in order because part of it is stream of consciousness. Okay. Uh, so here's what I had as, as I was watching it. Uh, continental identity seems to be important in the future. Still is. Yep. Yeah. But not country because he refers to them as North Americans. Oh, sorry. You North Americans, he says. Okay. Uh, Reed's lipstick is intense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why is he so colored? Uh, and here's the stream of consciousness part. Is this a dream? Am I watching a dream? Oh, oh no, yeah. it's even a sex dream. Yeah. I can't. But then I turned around on it. If this is actually Trip's dream, I will give 10 points for it. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if it suddenly cuts and it's Trip waking up, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, nope. Yeah. Um, Although that see. would also uh, be like that episode of News Radio where they're all having daydreams and <laughs> Bill is making out with all of the women in the episode, but then the last one, Bill makes out with somebody and you wake up and it's Matthew's dream. That's right. <laughs> Um. Oh, cool! They're Eskimo brothers. Yeah, I didn't need to know that either. That's why I picked Freakalik. By the way, the list of all those women, because mm. uh, because Reed was doing a real cool brag about all the ladies by writing by sending all those letters. Yeah, he was. He just wouldn't stop. <clears throat> we get it. You dated. You dated a lot of women. Some people only date. Only, only really ever dated their wives. That's right. That happens. So I guess what I'm asking, Matthew, is what's sex? <laughs> what is? Um, you should ask Captain Picard. He's had so much of it. Okay. All right. He's an expert. Um. Um. Uh, what What song did you want to pick for this? Uh. Instead of Freak a League. Oh right. Yeah, I thought of a better song. No, it's fine. If you don't remember. Uh, oh, it's that. Uh, it's that song about Major Tom from the '80s. You know the one. Oh, uh, Earth Below Us. That one. Earth Below Us. Yeah. That's about a guy dying in his pod. Yeah. So, that I should have picked that one. Yeah. Um, who do you think does trips highlights on the ship? I don't. These are questions I ask all the time about TV it, shows. Is it? Is it? Is it Chef? It's Chef. Chef's also a barber. But they call him Chef. I mean, there's like there's only like 80 people on the ship, right? So it's like, they probably one of them's not a barber. <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I always wonder that. Uh, although it's not egregious here like it is on like a desert island kind. Like Lost. That's the second time I mentioned Lost. <laughs> one of the guys in the show 
had blonde highlights the entire run of the show. And I was just thinking, what, how, where? How is he doing who's, it? Who's doing that? How is this happening? Who's doing this? And I want to know. Uh, your and I wrote your hair and nails do not keep growing after you die, but this is still better than Voyager's fever. <laughs> That's right. No one's getting the science right this week. Uh, can Hoshi really be twenty five years old? Why are those glasses in the shuttle? Does Reed wear glasses? Does Tucker those wear bur- the the glasses that they drink the bourbon out of? Oh, those glasses. I see seems like a, uh seems like weird. Uh, it's weird that there's barware. In the emergency rations kit in the shuttle, whoever, instead of like a f- collapsible tin cup or something. Did whoever put the bourbon in there put those glasses in there? I, I don't think so because they came out of the same tin as the MREs. Huh. Yeah, that's a good question. Why does the captain store bourbon in the shuttle? Mm-hmm. Talked about it. If turning the temperature down allows you to divert more power to oxygen recycling, wouldn't turning off the engines have done that? Well, yeah, you'd think so. They're like flying around it, creeping around at impulse speed the whole time. And it's like, hey, if that's not going to do anything for you, like you just talked about how it's not going to get you anywhere, maybe use that energy. Yeah, apparently running the engines is not a problem for them. And also ejecting the engine is not a problem. It doesn't change their circumstances materially with regard to oxygen. Apparently the engine power has nothing to do with the power in the rest of the shuttle. Yeah, so the engine cannot be used to generate electrical power. That seems very unlikely. Like, that's worse than a 737, for instance. And yet, that is how it appears. It, that's how they would have to appear in order for this problem to make sense. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, uh, was it weird that we never saw the aliens or their ship? I, again, I thought it was We good. see the wreckage of their ship, I, I was guess. was glad that that happened. Uh, before I give the scores, I gave the best actor in this episode to Trip. I mean, they're basically... There's only two to choose from, really. Unless you want to, unless you want to give it to uh, Archer for not crying. <laughs> I was tempted. <laughs> and I gave Worst Actor to Dream to Paul. Yeah, it wasn't good, but neither was Dream Reed. Dream Reed was making me very uncomfortable by the way he was saying stinky. Oh, yeah, that was so weird. I didn't like anything that happened in it. That's so weird. I guess whoever wrote that never had a sex dream. <laughs> I guess I, I guess that's what happened. I mean, the only thing about that call me stinky stuff or whatever is like, whenever you see a dream on TV, it's not like a dream I've ever had. My dreams are not so Lucid. coherent. Yeah, 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 it's just like a collection of weird images that don't make sense. Yeah. So I don't know, but like it, it was, it's very, it was very bad and very hard to watch. I didn't like it. Uh, and I think that's why my brain forced me to imagine what it would be like if it turned out to be Trip's dream. <laughs> that's right. It's I would have gone through and given it 10 execution points if that had happened. <laughs> um, well, I mean, anyone who can do math knows that this episode won the week, uh, so I might as well give it the total. I gave it 20 and you gave it 18. Oh, wow. Look at, wait, hold on. Whoa. That's 38. <laughs> that's 38 points. Holy shit. Um, that's good. That's solid. That's very good for Enterprise. Oh, it's man. better than the first episode they won, the Andorian incident. Oh, dang. The, the only drawback is we gave last week's episode, Shadows of Pajem, 43 points. Man, but still, that 38 is much better than I expected. And Sleeping Dogs, we gave 35. Hmm. So Enterprise has been climbing. Wow. And the same is not true for Voyager. Or TNG, or... So I haven't done the averages yet. DS9's never very good. I mean, they scored well last uh, week. But... Voyager was three points ahead. 
but they trail Enterprise this week by 13 points. So Voyager's going to drop into fourth place this week. Oh, boy. Yeah. And in terms of wins, it will also be in fourth place. Yeah. Wow. So, although it started much stronger than we expected, uh, they were not able to keep that momentum. But, uh, let's, uh, let's close out this very long episode by doing the power rankings. Comfortably over three hours this time. Which, not close. Suck it, everyone. Uh, by doing the power rankings for uh, Enterprise, and I have seven characters on my list. That's not so bad. In the following order, Flocks. Okay. That's not great. No. Mayweather. I think we both know he gets credit for barely being in it. <laughs> well, he's number two. Hoshi. She's been coming up in the ranks a little bit. Okay. In the last few weeks as she's sort of finding her confidence as a character arc. Uh-huh. Then I've got Trip. Okay. I'm not happy about it, but that's where I have him. Okay. T-Pole. Yeah. Reed. Reed. Okay. And bringing up the rear, Archer. Ostensibly the star of the show. Yeah. But this character that he has created is nonsense. And it's not the writing that makes him a crybaby. Oh, yeah. It's his performance. That is an acting decision. Let me tell you, just spoiler alert, you're going to see some uh, incredibly... Bizarre and terrible performances from him in the future. Okay. There's some good stuff coming. Uh, he's the only actor in this show. The only he's one the only one you would have heard of. Yeah, theoretically an actor, but the stuff he acted in I don't think required much. I mean, I could was only... We tried to watch Quantum Leap. I think we only got through two episodes. Well, it's not great. He was a pregnant lady and he was like an ape. And yeah, uh, that was enough, true. really. Um, so... Should I That's where I've got him. Okay. That's where it is. Um, so, I agree. Flox is first, which is very bad for the show, because I hate, I hate that. But yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's just the character. He's acting is fine. Yeah, he's doing a fine job with it with this dumb character. Uh, after that, I guess I go Hoshi. Okay. <sighs> That's we're, we're in tough territory already. Uh, trip. As high as number three. Oh, I guess I have him at number four. What's the difference, really? Archer. I know you have him last. I have him dead last. He's gotten the most to do. Reed. Oh boy, I I believe I know who's going to be last for you. Well, T Pole, and then <laughs> Mayweather's last. Oh, he's, poor Mayweather. He's such a nice boy. But I haven't believed one line that that actor has said. He's the he is, least believable of all of them. He is a nice boy. He's like, no, we should work together and be friends. And you go, well, I get what they're trying to do with the character, but I'm not buying it. That didn't sound like a real sentence. <laughs> it's not a thing a person said. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't lie to me. Yeah. A human person didn't say that. I, I think he's not good. <clears throat> I think he's a Harry Kim almost. Better than Harry Kim, because he's not aggressively bad. But, like, maybe Dax level bad. Uh, by the way, I played uh, I played the clip. This was Ben's pick of the week also. He gave it 23 points. Oh, we all agreed. Um, which was higher than he gave anything else. Um, Shore Leave was his second highest at 15. Um, 
Otherwise, he had every, everything was pretty packed together it was, except it was a for a bad week all around, and this Shuttle one, one somehow stood out above the rest. Even though watching it, I was not enthused. So, all right. So now we know what happened this week. Uh, what the hell is next? Um. So next week, like, uh, I'd love to say to you, Matthew, oh boy. that. Next week is probably going to be a return to form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that'd be cool. And fun to watch. Um, Next week's like The Hunted, right? You know, the lowest the lowest total score this week and your lowest score was uh, shortly for TOS. So at least you get to start on maybe the most promising just based on what I can remember of the two episodes that I remember. Mm. Um, but for TOS, we have the Galileo 7. Okay, it's about shuttlecraft. It's about sort of Spock's challenges in taking command. Okay. <clears throat> down on some planet shuttlecraft disaster. Um, they will definitely do an engine burn. Oh. Um, that gives them a chance of being spotted, but drastically reduces their uh, chances to live. So it's um, Shuttlepod 1 did definitely steal that. Okay. Uh, we have When the Bow Breaks. A bunch of children get kidnapped but by a Harry, planet. But Harry, dude. On a planet where... The technology technology allows them to live wonderful artistic lives, but they've forgotten how to build it also, or maintain it. I think that computer's called Custodian? Custodian. And also, it's made them sterile. Something's gone wrong and they're sterile. Yeah. <coughs> um, so it's, it's, it's high Star Trek, and it's not a good episode. Yeah. Uh, for Deep Space Nine, The Forsaken, that could be anything. Don't really remember it. Uh, for Voyager, the 37s, I think that's about Amelia Earhart in some way. That won't be good. That's not going to be good, so it's either holodex or time travel, either way bad. That's not good. Uh, and for Enterprise, Fusion. Don't know. So I assume it's about a restaurant where you can get pad thai and also sushi. Mm, yeah, like Minato in uh, Framingham, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Yep, when you go outside the Bay Area, there are a lot of these places. All right. Well, that's not looking good, so sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's not great. The good news is you got two weeks off now. That's right. Hey, the next one coming up is a non-Trek episode. We'll do mailbag and stuff. So send us all your tweeps, and we'll do uh, And we're, we're getting some, because Ryan's catching up again. Oh, nice. Okay, good. That and I just, I'll, I'll just uh, billboard it here. A couple of them are baffling. Okay, so. good, good, good. That's my favorite, is trying to figure out what he's talking about. Okay, That's right. So we'll have some of that coming up for sure. Uh, in the meantime, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can visit us at brotherdate.com. And tweet us and, at uh, brotherdate. Tweet us at brotherdate if you want to make the mailbag. And then we will talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. These are the fun shots. I also have the ones where I'm wearing the tuxedo dicky. It's for my graduate. I'm graduating. These are my senior pictures, Riker. <laughs> You're interrupting my senior pictures. <laughs> Please subscribe.